And we're live. Your forehead's cut off, but you still look beautiful. Okay. There we are. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Well, I, I'm going to bring my forehead a little bit more into view. Uh, but hey, everybody. Welcome to One with the Films. My name is Movie K Man the Third, your movie man with the lots of opinions. And this is Naf, uh, our co host extraordinaire, incredible Naf, and just everything about him is great. So just, you know. That's so lovely. It, it's, What's with you in you these know, I like. Do my uh... best, man. You, you put so much effort and love into all of your intros lately. No wonder our guests love you so much. They always leave, and I reckon they like you more than me. Because I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And you're like, this person, the incredible, the wonderful, the phenomenal. <laughs> and they're like, oh, hello. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you spend your whole life being a people pleaser, you kind of learn how to introduce other people like pretty well. I think yeah. that, that that's ultimately where it comes down to. Huh. Uh, I mean, the only person I don't spend as much time on the intro is you, but that's just for obvious reasons. But because everything <laughs> that needs to be said about me is is kind of said, you know, like I exude this 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 feeling that you just you pick up on when you look at me. So you don't need to introduce. They feel it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right so everybody, well pleasure jumping on with you again today uh it's absolutely a, a lovely week. as always so uh it has been a week and uh you know just mainly uh obviously guys uh if you've read the title to this you know exactly what's about to happen so we're in a position where we are watching uh schindler's list the critically acclaimed uh incredible film uh by steven spielberg and uh uh last week we talked with Tyler Makes Films about uh, the Taika Waititi's film, Boy. If you haven't checked out that Great episode plug. on Spotify, you most certainly can still do that. Great if plug. you also want to see our lovely faces, you can also check out our video on demand on Twitch. But uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And then before that, we talked about Eternal Sunshine, Heat. Uh, I mean, you name it, we've done it. Hi, Lou. Sorry for our podcast listeners. Lou just entered the room and we uh, said hello. <laughs> so the, the, point, the point is... Uh, uh, just want to let you guys know that obviously all of our episodes are available there, and uh, if you haven't got caught up, please uh, feel free to do so. Uh, but this is going to be a little bit of a departure from what we typically do. Obviously, this film deserves it. This film uh, deserves to be taken seriously, and as you can tell by kind of uh, just our timber today, uh, we're obviously very delighted to be able to talk about this film. Um, it's one of my personal favorite films of all time. Uh, but it is a film that demands uh, a certain reverence, a certain uh, respect. So there are going to be obviously uh, not only spoilers, but there's also going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of issues. I mean, I'm sure that it's undeniable that the Holocaust is going to going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about that, talking about uh, probably fascism to, to some degree. Uh, obviously, the, we, we are trying to talk about the movie, but it's hard when you watch a film like this to keep it just about the film. And mm. I think that's the power of this movie. So... Uh, if this is triggering for you, we completely understand. It is a film not to be taken lightly. Uh, do not watch it on a whim. Uh, it is a very, very brutal watch, and I was very hesitant even recommending this film for this to do, but it is a very important one nonetheless. So I hope, uh, if you have watched it, I hope that you, uh, for lack of a better phrase, enjoyed it or appreciate it. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation because I'm very excited to have it, because uh, I think it's a very important film to talk about. And Absolutely. I'm just, yeah, very, very excited to be able to do this. So without further ado, uh, this is the weekly watch list. And uh, Naf, do you want to explain what it's about? I would love to. For the uninitiated? Um, yeah, absolutely. So for, we're obviously on episode 13 at the moment. We started a weekly watch list coming up on, what, six-ish weeks ago? 
Um, and what we've been doing is uh, essentially it's a series where either myself, Movie Man, or one of our special guests picks a film. Uh, in an ideal world, one or none of us have seen it, and we're introducing those films to one another. Um, then we come back here and we discuss on the one with the films podcast. So we pop it in the Discord, let everybody know, hey, go home, watch the film, um, and then come back and chat about it. Uh, if you guys are listening on demand as well, of course, like we said, we're going to be talking full spoilers, so make sure you've seen the film before you uh, listen to this episode. Um, the idea is you go listen to the episode and then come back and listen to us chat about it. If you come in live, we definitely love hearing your thoughts and questions in chat, so feel free to share them. Because uh, the whole series is all about you know sharing the love, working through our ridiculous watch lists, getting through the classics, all the kind of stuff that you'd expect that we've seen as sort of self-professed uh, like you know film lovers um, that we just haven't gone around to. Um, now you picked this film. Um, yes, I did a-, a while ago, and we didn't actually end up. Uh, watching it based on that pick. Uh, I think one, in one of the early chats, we uncovered that I hadn't seen the film yet, and you were like, oh, yes, we're going to have to watch that. I want to talk about it. And, I mean, last week, um, basically, Destiny picked the film for us. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I had not Realizing seen a lot of that you... films. Yeah, exactly. Realizing that you uh, are very un experienced in the realm of Spielberg, uh, he's my favorite director, so being able to uh, being able to take you a- under my wing and show you around the Spielberg, you know, library was a, uh, it's a fun task to be given. And so we wanted to leave it up to fate as to what film we were going to watch. So we put, uh, I made a list of the films I felt like Naf should see and we rolled the wheel. And sure enough, uh, the one film that we both were kind of like, this is going to be a tough one <laughs> was picked. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, this film is renowned for being uh, incredibly heart wrenching and incredibly depressing, and rightfully so. Uh, I mean, we'll get into the depressing aspect later. I think that that is uh, sometimes puts people off to the film in a way that I feel is not quite fully accurate, or at least it's not quite the word I would use personally. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it was one that for. Uh, for understandable reasons, I think we both had trepidations about doing mm. a, a live stream about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, with that being said, let me jump into a little bit of info about the film. Um, as as we do. Uh, as Movie Man mentioned, we picked Schindler's List this week. Um, Schindler's List was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it came out in 1993. Uh, it's got a rating of nine stars on IMDb off over 1.3 million ratings and a meta score of 94 points out of 100. Um, it was nominated for 12 Academy Awards and it won seven, including Best Picture, Original Score, Editing, and it was Spielberg's first win as Best Director. Um, it stars Liam Neeson as Oscar Schindler, a man who was integral in saving the lives of over 1,000 Jewish people during World War II. The film was crafted with a budget of $22 million and returned that plus another $300 million at the box office during its run, and it's been heralded as one of the greatest, most important films of all time, and I'm sure anybody who's listening, and including us, will probably agree and understand uh, why. Uh, and as Movie Man mentioned, uh, obviously the film was released in 1993. Um, we've both mm-hmm. seen it, so we're running the stream with the full intention that you've seen the film. So there will be full spoilers here, guys. Yeah, and uh, again, if you haven't, highly recommend it. Save this podcast or save this video and uh, come back to it later. But going off of that, Naf, what did you know about this film before uh, watching it? You know, I was thinking about this question a lot last night, and I felt like I kind of had to answer in sort of a a, a grander part than just this film. Because one mm-hmm. of the things that I've been realizing lately um, in our conversation, especially over the last two weeks, is 
like Spielberg is the guy. You know, like he's he's like <laughs> And I feel like I feel bad because I've had people tell me before that Spielberg was sort of their favorite filmmaker and I've kind of always just put it back in my hand like, okay, yeah, I guess they just they chose Spielberg. Like Spielberg, mm-hmm. right? Like it just it's like when somebody says The Rock is their favorite actor, I was like, okay, cool. Like just sure. <laughs> I guess like he's he does the job. All right. I, but all, then... right all right. You you're, you're going to continue, but I must say that saying putting Spielberg and The Rock as a comparison did hurt me a little. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna need you to take that back and then take um, that again. But well, continue on. That's that's the, the sort of the point that I'm getting at, right? So in my brain, that was how I'd sort of connected the dots of what Spielberg was to the film industry. Um, like he was like, yeah, everybody talks about that's Spielberg. Fair. I was that's like, okay, fair. yeah, cool. No, he's I just, get that. He's just he's the guy. Um, but I realized that I had seen very few of his films. Uh, like very very few, and. As I've been diving more into his filmography, every single film I see cements that understanding more and more that he actually is one of, if not the like greatest filmmaker of all time. Like he just it I can't believe it. Um and so now I'm starting to understand a bit more about why people particularly yourself, if it him being your favorite filmmaker, I'm like, yep, yeah, I get it now. Um Absolutely. It's just wild. Um, and I think one thing that, uh, is sort of helping me unpack that a bit more is I did not know how long this guy had been making films for, you know, like you hear about, Mm -hmm. for example, like, you know, like say George Lucas, right. Who did Star Wars in 77 and then the prequels later. And you're like, okay, cool. He was making films from the seventies till the mid two thousands. Right. Like that's a long time to make movies, but then you go, you know, it was, like seven movies like it wasn't that many films yeah and then you look yeah. at someone like spielberg from a similar amount of time right like i think both of them released their literally in the same, the same class time. like um, literally in the, yeah. within the same class and you look at the amount of films the caliber and the continuous um like the consistency in the quality of his films um and you start to understand uh it's truly unfair I also had thought that this film came out during like the Liam Neeson sort of heyday, you know, the sort of Taken era. I thought this film was a lot newer than it was. Um, I literally thought that it had come out like 2010. Yeah, I had no idea. Really? It was this old. Yeah. And same with ET. Really? I thought ET was early 2000s, like late 90s, and it's like no, that's a that's an 80s film. Uh, yeah. No, that's like one of like uh like it's kind of like Back to the Future, quintessential. 80s like you know like within that realm of it no but that's so funny because i mean i understand what you're talking about where it feels a lot uh, sooner or i think for me i just assume films are older i just always yeah i I think it's because as a kid i just always assumed i missed them like i just because because you would hear about these films in retrospect and then all of a sudden i would realize like oh the departed or um no country for old men i was like Oh, I was alive. Like I was like, I was like, you know, I was alive. Like, like beyond the stuff, like I could have flipped to the wrong channel and like gotten a, uh, you know, a trailer for this. Yeah. Like that, that was kind of a, a weird thing that started to occur to me. And that was like when I would see stuff like the departed or things of realizing, Oh, that was like a 2009, 2010 movie. Mm. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. So I think I just assumed that I missed them. 
you know, that's just my own personal, like, like pre-high school, I just assumed that I wasn't, like, seeing these films in the theaters, you know? Yeah, um, it's, it's crazy, like, to, to consider that, and, like, you know, the, the fact that I didn't exist when a lot of these films were made, or, you know, I was just born, I'm a 95 baby, so, like, that this is before I was even born this came out, um, and... Besides that, I knew, of course, that it was very well known. I had an idea of what it was about, um, and I knew that, well, I had heard, sorry, rather than knew, um, that it was a very sad film, a very difficult watch. Um, and that's kind of it. Like, I didn't know heaps going into this film, and I tried to avoid, again, like, the blurb while I put it on a streaming so that I could just go into it as blind as possible. I think that I may have seen some like random video essays talking about why aspects of the film worked but I don't I think that it was one of those things where when I saw that they were talking about this or they were referencing it I would just skip anyway and go like oh, I'm gonna watch it one day I'd rather go in fresh um so another film sure. that I've gone into mostly fresh and yet another film to go on to like some of my favorite all-time films We've got oh a good and run I'm so right glad here. to hear that Oh yeah, no. I, I I've been hearing you talk about it on your live uh, today. It was kind of fun to hear you talk about that. A lot the of these films the are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I mean, listen. As we both know, I do love to stalk you uh, in your closet. But um, the whole you. thing is there. It's a great exactly. Closet. It's a good closet. It's a good. I spend closet, a lot of time in there. Oh, absolutely. Take away you know, from I that did what for, you will. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did for years as well. Uh, you know, for years, I definitely was in that closet as well, and uh, you know, just kind of. Uh, you know, life happens. Someday it just got to come out. But uh, the whole the whole thing with that, you know, again, with this podcast, that I think is really cool is because we're opening ourselves up to more films. And um, again, Eternal Sunshine for me was a similar thing where I'm like, this is brilliantly made. And this is, again, let the right one in stuff that I would never have seen on my own. Yeah. But uh, That's why we do it going to what was that? That's why we do this. I know, and I hope that people that listen to this as well, like, uh, you know, get that experience too, because I think that's a really cool, again, it, it's cool to open your up your palette like this when you see, and then you see the films, as you've said, that took inspiration yeah, from these films, or took moments, or why they're revered. Because, I mean, you also just saw 2001, and uh, again, had a... Yeah, a decent reaction to it. Again, I I don't think I think it's I had the intended reaction. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think uh, honestly, I think you had the correct uh, reaction. You know, funnily like, enough, which... that film at the start, I felt really bad. There was a film bro sitting next to me, and as the film started, it doesn't like just play opening credits. Like it starts with like you know the opening of like a theater, basically. Like the the curtains would be closed, and they start playing music and ushering you to your seats. But when I heard the music, uh -huh. I was like, the film isn't starting. And I was like freaking out a little bit. I was like, what's going on? Like, And I was fidgeting for like five minutes going like, there's something wrong. Like, what, do we need to go and talk to the... Nah. And this guy just leaned over and he was like, this is how the film starts. It's an old movie, bro. Sometimes they open like this. And I was like, okay, bro, shit, sorry. <laughs> it is one of those things, though, because because you're so not used to it. It is that way. I mean, the original West Side Stories that way. I mean, there's mm. so many of these old films that there like, was an intermission in that too. Oh, and West like the old West Side Story, same deal. Yeah, and it's like intermission again. I don't mind the intermission thing. I, again, I nice. joke around people that I'm like, I think that they should 
bring that back you know like kind of a like if especially for longer films you, you know it would be like, cool if there was like a little screen or something like a tiny little screen at the front of the the seat in front of you and it's just like when you're about 25 percent away through the film it asks you like you know do you want an intermission and you just hit yes or no and like if 75 percent or more people say yes then it it gives you an intermission it goes if not it. then Oh yeah, like so I'm right there with you. I mean, hell, this film is three hours. Like mm. this film, is, I had like four intermissions. Know... Oh yeah, well, and understandably so. I think this is a film. Yeah, you watch at home. Like watching in the theaters, I'm sure is a very powerful experience. Yeah, but I also feel like with the subject matter, there are films. Again, I'll talk about Saving Private Ryan. Is I think is an it, it like an even example well? with this film. Yep, uh, that was what a that man. was his second. <laughs> I know, right? And that was his second uh, best director win. And his I only that one other either. one that he's won. It, 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 that's also a fair film of mine. Um, I think that it, it, when we talk about war films, I don't think it gets better than Saving Private Ryan. Uh-huh. Like, I, it, it forever has been the one that's, like, number one for me. And I, I'm, I'm anxious to talk about that one with you. That uh-huh. one is, is... Me too. I think that's going to be a good one. It's not as brutal as this, but it's in a similar like yeah vain vain like brutality wise but it's not to me it's not excessive it's just accurate well i think that um, at least from what that's what people have said yeah i know that uh so just coming back to 2001 a space odyssey for a second as well i know that during that intermission um my friend asked me he's like so what do you think of the movie so far and the only thing that i could tell him is i was like look it's impressive like it's it's really really impressive and i think that ridley scott wanted to impress me and i'm impressed not really Scott, sorry. Um, uh, Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, my bad. Um, You're good, but I just had to, in case there were any film bros watching that we don't lose, like, not that we need the respect, but also, like, let's, we'll do it, you know. I'll edit it out later. Something um, yeah, so I felt like Kubrick obviously really wanted me to be impressed, and, I mean, I was. It was, like, very technically impressive. Like, it, it aged very well. Um, Absolutely. And one of the things that I really appreciated about it was I really enjoyed watching it with, like, technical people that appreciate it and i was looking at it and i was going all right how did they do that oh that's how they did that how do they do this that's how they did and i was like figuring it out as it went oh okay i enjoyed that aspect of watching the film uh yeah but the story wasn't for you like the story and things because i've never seen it personally again just to full disclosure to the listeners like it's one of those films that for me has always aired on the side of a little too pretentious for me and a little too um not quite my sensibilities. Well, see, afterwards, uh, um, they we were looking up a little bit about what the film meant, trying to understand it a little bit better, and uh, Kubrick never gave a answer to like what the film means. And you, when you see the film, you'll understand why that's important. <laughs> um, oh yeah, because it definitely is very ambiguous, very open to interpretation, and. Part of that I can respect and go, you know, yep, cool, I understand. But then the other part of me goes like, I feel like maybe you just didn't know what it was about and you just made something yeah. purposefully confusing and told everybody, well, whatever it means to you is whatever it means. Uh, uh, again, uh, th- this is where I, where I get frustrated personally because I look at stuff and I think of uh, at least what I call purposeful ambiguity. Mm. Uh, ambiguity is good. I think ambiguity is a... Uh, an effective tool. I don't think you have, as like you, you talk about with Star Wars. But yeah, exactly. I am a good tool, and it's uh, effective. But, uh, you know, the, not good. Uh, oh, Just gets okay. the job well, I, done, I, and that's about it. 
Absolutely. You know, just like last night. But um, the whole thing is that um, my feeling on ambiguity is that when done right, it's kind of like when you talk about Star Wars. You don't have to fill in every... every... Are we segueing? Is that what's happening? Are we doing a I hope segue? not, because I don't think we've talked about Schindler's List yet. But uh, <laughs> like... well, let me tell you what influence The Last Jedi took from Schindler's List, right? So here's the really the color interesting red. thing about the color how... red done cutting off. Dude. <laughs> That's it, right? Because if you think about it, that sort of white salt planet of crate is the black and white filmmaking, and the the uh... the, the red crystals coming up underneath is I, the girl I in the red dress. Truly... I was truly wondering if we were actually going to get a transition to last year. Like, cause I was, I honestly and it was, was thinking you this like, time, not we were me. Gonna <laughs> Just because I was like, okay, let's get it out now before, before we get too far into it. But it's like, it's a funny thing for me because I'm just, I'm sitting over here just imagining you just going like, again, just being talking and just be in the middle. And again, I, I just, I knew that you wouldn't do this, but I just thought it'd be so funny of just a moment of just in there just being like, yeah, that liquidation of the ghetto scene. It's kind of like that scene in The Last Jedi where like, just kind of going like, no, it's not. No, I know what you it's might like, do. you see the say, kid working no, in the stable? Um, that reminds me of the kids hiding in the stable. <laughs> just bad it's bad it's bad um uh, blast it. uh, let's 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 pause on if you do that we'll put it up on our, our social media uh ali's going ali's going to make us a bingo card for uh for these podcasts so that Amazing. we can put it on our social medias and people can play bingo <laughs> um yeah we can put like nathan or, or segways to last jedi absolutely. or star wars um we can put somebody cries we can put uh, somebody nathan cries says, yeah. um, movie man says like we're gonna get this. Yeah. Make it a drinking game. Um. Anyway, let's let's Absolutely. pause on this conversation. Let's dive over to Schindler's List, right? We Absolutely. know a little bit about what I knew going into the film. Um. I'd love to kick us off with some thoughts. Oh sure, absolutely. Please, yeah. Again, uh, please start this off. Uh, I want to know, kind of, again, some of your initial thoughts here before I go into stuff with me and questions. My that first I have thought question is just how, like, I just how. Um, firstly, did we as a people allow this to happen? It's atrocious. But secondly is just, how the hell did he do it? Like, how did, like, I look at it and it's, like, elements of the film are shot like a documentary. Um, and it feels like I'm watching re, uh, like, somewhat remastered footage from that era in a lot of sequences, mm -hmm. especially a lot of those, like, um... This, the sequences where people are in the concentration camps and that, and it's just like, I don't understand how, and I, this is where I can understand how he won Best Director, because the feat of filmmaking and the achievement that this film is with the amount of, what is it, 20,000 extras, um, I, that's my question, just how? I don't, I don't understand how he pulled it off. And I don't either. Like, it, it, to a full extent, like, one of my favorite things is if you look at any interviews about this film, it's like, I mean, to Spielberg, I mean, you can tell how personal this was to him. And obviously, his background, he was bullied for being Jewish in, in as an early uh, kid. And it's something that apparently he was actually always ashamed of for a while because he was othered for it. Yeah. And it, and it took this film to make him fully appreciate his own Jewish heritage. And, uh, like, in filming this movie, he really kind of, 
that faith element was brought back into his life because of it. And uh, I found that to be very powerful. But even beyond that, like he talks about filming this movie, he says apparently he has never fil- fil- like had a movie that felt in making it so implicit to him. Like mm-hmm. it just made sense how he was doing it. Just He wasn't thinking about it too much. Be- like it just was happening. Like they all knew what was going on, knew what was going down, and really just the ideas just came to him it just happened that way and uh again it's it's as you're saying it's like how how because it feels that way a little bit like in a in the best way possible it feels organic yeah. it feels like this movie just almost came out of the ether you know because every element there's not a thing in this film that i make that makes me go oh i'm kind of like you're talking about where it's like it's something that immerses you completely Absolutely. You start for again, that's the point where you start thinking of this documentary. There's stunt work in this that I have no idea how the fuck they did it. Yeah. Like the like, I mean, how when when one like anytime you see somebody get shot, typically it's all it's like a, a thing of like in movies, you typically have the let, let's cut away from it. And then the person and you can kind of tell. Or it it's was, a sorry, but there was so much of it, like you just saw somebody fall and then just like the head hit the ground and back up. Yeah, and I'm like I remember that, one that is near. And that's like, it's just so, and then the blood's like spurting out and it's like, it's not gratuitous. It's just very viscerally real. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know how they did it because it looks practical. It looks like it was, it was just, it's just, uh, again, the stunt work is just, I mean, again, it's, it's weird to call it to it, but that's exactly what it is. It's like, I I just. I think another element that I really appreciated was the. Not just the stomach, but like just the production of this. Like I'm thinking about props, and I'm going. There are bodies that are like crisp mm-hmm. that are just. They have insane amounts of what do they call them? Like wheelbarrows with bodies on them, oh. and they're moving, and you have insane amounts of rubble and like these. Not to mention the camps themselves. Were. Yeah, I also saw on IMDb that he had been given permission to film at Auschwitz, but decided against it. They built a set instead. Which, and did you hear the reasoning behind that? Or... Um, I could probably put two and two together, but I'd love you to explain. Yeah, well, I mean, again, as you're saying, it's not that much rocket science, but the idea was, uh, like, Spielberg just, again, felt, given the subject matter, it's like he didn't even want to almost give it the, uh, not the credit but like be you know just he felt that's a that's a bridge too far Honestly, for him to yeah. kind of film in a play I, I be, at least i believe that was the more the intention was the idea that it felt so horrific well, to to actually be at the place where this happened like even yeah. though they're showing the horror it's like and i can get that like to a degree where i'm like that is just that like i can understand the feeling of it's one thing to film in like Oscar Schindler's factory or film in the actual, cause they filmed a lot of this on location in the places where this actually happened. Like uh, I believe the liquidation of the ghetto, they filmed it at the ghetto where, where it actually was. Um, a lot of the locations like his fat, I know his factory for sure was actually the factory. I believe that the whole, thing kind of happening really? and then again the, the concentration camps were built for i i believe the concentration concentration camps were the only things built for the film 
or like maybe not the only thing, but the major set pieces that were built for the film. Hmm. Um, which I mean, to me, I, I think is just incredibly powerful. I don't know if that's uh, just something I heard or not, but uh, I don't know what your research is saying. No, um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and like, yeah, it's definitely sort of what I, oh my goodness, I'm breaking stuff here. It's definitely what I sort of <laughs> expected was going to be the, the explanation. Um, I know that, um, what was I going to say? There was another element that I thought was really interesting um, that I was reading here. Um, and it was talking about how, where was it? I can't find it anymore now. But I saw this, this little piece of trivia before, which I thought was really interesting. And I've lost it. Um, but yeah, like it just, the, the the quality of the production is just absolutely insane. And like we said, the fact that they were able to get something like this made is just insane. Yeah. Um, I also saw that he wanted to make the film in like the 80s, um, but he felt like he wasn't quite ready for it yet. So he decided against that. Um, but one of the big things that drew him towards making it in the 90s, where he was like, nope, I need to make it now, was that, like, anti-Semitism was increasing in the 90s, and there were issues with, like, people, like, the Holocaust deniers and stuff like that, and he was like, okay, no, I'm not having a word of this. Like, people need to know that this is something that happened. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And um, he also felt at that point, he had made The Color Purple and Empire of the Sun, which were two of the most uh, uh, personal films that he had ever made at mm. that time. Because keep in mind, because of this film, I feel a lot of people look at Spielberg, and again, you have stuff like Saving Private Ryan, and a lot of his latter career, I feel that he's now been, again, taken seriously as a as a drama director. Yeah. But keep in mind, the films up to this point, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., Jaws, all the indiana jones movies uh you know he was an adventure you know action adventure horror director he was not steven spielberg the uh you know the director of schindler's list he was not the director of saving private ryan it took the color purple and um and uh empire of the sun for him to feel ready that he was ready to tackle this subject matter. I haven't even and heard frankly, of either of those films. Uh, they're, uh, I have not seen either, but they are uh, very, uh, from what I've heard, they're very good. Um, obviously, The Color Purple spawned the musical, which is a brilliant, brilliant musical. Um, it's uh, very heart-wrenching. It, again, not light movies and not yeah. light subject matter, but okay. nonetheless. Yeah. One of the things I found so interesting about this was, ooh, we have a lunch delivery. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Hi, Lou. I don't ever feel like eating again. He says hi. Hi. Ah, yay. But uh, the thing with this film, for me anyway, and I want you to go back to what you were saying, but like Spielberg approached Universal or uh, approached one of the companies. I forget exactly which one. But, and with the book because uh Sid Scheinberg the head the head of Universal had sent it to him when he, again as you were saying it was around the time of ET and sent sent it to him there and Spielberg fell in love with it but as you're saying he didn't feel like it was ready it wasn't the right time and etc cetera, etc cetera, that happened the bottom was when he went to go pitch it to to Universal or something like that 
they basically all lo looked him in the eye, or at least whoever was kind of the financier basically said, why don't we just make a 222 million donation to a Holocaust, uh, Holocaust site instead? I read that. It was like, it, it, yeah. And to me, I'm like that. I mean, and ultimately again, it's fair. It's like, I don't think it was meant out of malice. It's more saying like, Hey, I don't think this is going to make money. You know, it's not going to, we're, we're going to invest what $22 million into something that we could also it just donate it. Yeah. And that would do more for them than this will kind of mentality. It, 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 exactly. Which is ironic. And, and even Spielberg admits he fully did not feel this film was going to be a, cause he's like, who is going to sit down and subjugate themselves to three hours of this? He, he admitted, he said the same thing. And as you said in the intro, it went on to gross $300 million over its budget. To me, I think, and I mean, it just hit its 25th anniversary a couple years ago. And it was just, I don't know, again, the, the idea that that, and now it's 29 years old. It's, you know, it's coming up on its 30th. And I feel that this film deserves every i don't know it deserves every every dollar it gets from that because it's one thing for you know a blockbuster to surpass expectations or like an action film to suppress ex expectations but a three-hour holocaust film to do that staggering to me and yeah i absolutely i, I don't agree. know like, I didn't anticipate looking at the box office numbers when I did just then. Also, I don't know if you can hear me eating when w in our Discord conversation, but I mute myself for live, so you're not going to hear crunching over you <laughs> when you're speaking. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do the same, so. Yeah, but. Am I me just taking a sip of my drink? Um. I didn't anticipate at all going into um, its box office numbers and seeing it do as well as it did. Uh, I didn't think that was going to be the case. It's very impressive. And, and so going going on, Naf, like with you, like I want you to continue with some of your thoughts with it because obviously we're talking about just the how it happened. It did its it did its thing. Like somehow he made this happen. I want to know what your experience like was like watching and like getting immersed in the story beyond how it was made, and we can talk about more of that later. But I want to talk about more of the the film itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, definitely have a lot more thoughts on the the craft too because I definitely unpacked a lot there. I think learned a lot, which was really cool. But there was this face, and if you're listening to this on demand, you're not really gonna like be able to grasp this so much. But there was this face that was my theme watching this film. And it was basically this. <clears throat> and this was the face of <laughs> me watching the film and going, that happened. That is something that happened to people. Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot of feelings come up um, with that. I think as I was talking to you about it the other day, like there's an element of it that just like, you know... You watch Jojo Rabbit and it's handling the same subject matter and it like it's fun and quirky and you're kind of like, oh yeah, that sucks that that happened, but uh, at least we won. And then you see this and it's a completely different um, perspective. One thing I really like. It's like it doesn't matter that it's like it doesn't matter that we won, sort of thing. Like hmm. almost a little bit of that, like you know, sort of thing. It's almost a reminder, you know? like, hey, 
yeah, this is like it's a lot darker than what you probably think. Um, I know or more that... complicated, just simply. Put. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but more complicated, more complex, all that kind of jazz. But one other thing that I picked up in the film is there's like little to no mention or no um, uh, name drops for for Hitler. Um, it's just the one oh, held Hitler right. early on, and then right at the end, Ray Fiennes says it as he's being hanged. Um, you're and I'm thinking right. that's intentional, right? Like, a, tell the story from the perspective of these people, not glorify or give this person a platform. But it's so interesting that you would think about that in this movie that's like, again, uh, again, uh, the... When you think of Holocaust movies, this is the Holocaust movie, you know? And the concept that Hitler is not even it is barely mentioned with the exception of those two moments. It is such an interesting thing that I, I'd never even noticed that. And I think that you're absolutely right. Like that is such a it's a way to do, I think, kind of what Taika did, where it's like, oh, how do you kind of just almost reduce this man just kind of like into a to a point of not exclusion, because obviously he's a horrible there's there's a reason this happened but i think also it's i i for for those of you listening i was a part of a holocaust project uh for a, a significant amount of time um and one of the things i noticed was uh there was this place called the fonzie villa and in this fonzie villa there was a uh essentially this was where the german high command went to have the meeting about the final solution and it it was a really insane story with it because basically these people sat around a table and discussed how they were going to deal with what they called the Jewish problem. And, and basically figuring out how the hell are we going to eradicate this entire race. And to me, that was when it really set in of, you know, we talk about Hitler a lot. We talk about like, oh, he's horrible. But we hardly ever talk about the other people that were there again i don't think that it's worth mentioning their name because again they're fucking incredibly horrible people but the thing to me is i'm like when you realize this it wasn't something done on a whim and the film does a really great job of showing this it was a progression it was not all at once it was slowly but surely ripping one thing one thing you rip one thing from them and then you take this and then you take that and it's a slow progression of how you eradicate these people. Mm. And they, and this time it was, again, it, it's, it, it hit me with one scenes in particular is you hear them constantly say the worst is over. The worst is over. And it's like, I hate to say it, but there's two more hours to this movie. I highly doubt the worst is over, you know, kind of thing. It was like a consistent theme. Of, they say that a lot. And I think because it's true. As human beings, that's what we do. We say the worst is over. It can't get worse than this. And unfortunately, it 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 can. Like, you know, and it's... And I think the film does a really good job of making you believe a little bit with these people of maybe, maybe it won't get worse. Maybe it won't. And I mean, up to the point where they you end up in Auschwitz. And you really go on this journey with them from starting out being like, oh, yeah, you're just putting on a thing around your arm, doing these things. You're being othered. You're being this and that. But and then now you have your businesses ripped away from you. You have all this there. 
and it just it, it showed me how organized this evil was it's uh, uh like when i was working on this project somebody phrased it as a calculated evil and that's what it was and it, it was absolutely just horrific and horrifying and the film does a great job without having to draw attention to that but it just shows you yeah. and more importantly it shows you what it felt like to be just as confused as everyone else like and it doesn't show you know like i would continue I, like you, you i want to hear what you have to say with it well um without diving into it like the current political state too much i think that that was something else that i kind of saw is like the parallels between then and things that were happening like one two years ago um with not even i mean hell like i mean look at I mean, January 2000, January 2021, like, I mean, not to, again, get too far into it, but you're absolutely right. Like, this film is, unfortunately, just as relevant now as it was when it came out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's like, it just, it shook me that you see that sort of progression and you could see that stuff sort of start to happen with the BLM movement, um, even when, like, the virus hit uh, America for the first time and some of the language towards certain cultures got, like, yep. really scary. Yep. Um, you can see how, like, there were sort of scenarios where I was like, like we may find ourselves here again, um, mm -hmm. which is really dangerous. And I think that that's another thing to unpack, as you mentioned. Like, it's not just one man who was like, oh, I want to get rid of these people. Everybody listen to me. Like, I think if that were the case, they would have been like, Bro, what? No, come on. Just one population that you don't yeah. like? No. Well, it's, but it exactly. was years and years of, like, propaganda against this population. That and beyond the that, it took, like, it, it took people to do that. Yeah. Like, it took people. It, this, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This doesn't just happen. You know? It, it doesn't just all of a sudden occur. It takes years. To build up upon resentment, blaming it on certain things, blaming it on, you know, this, blaming your ilks on someone else. And it's in the day-to-day -day rhetoric. It's in the day-to-day -day rhetoric of how people talk about, you know, e even, uh, you know, you hear it in the film where they talk about the idea of, like, this isn't just, you know, one of the most chilling lines to me was one person saying, Oscar, this isn't just, you know, a typical Jew-hating talk. This is policy now. Yeah. And it's saying and he says it's it so saying, nonchalant as well. It's like, this isn't exactly. typical Jew hating talk. I think he actually says this isn't your good old fashioned Jew hating yeah, talk. Something like, like that. Yeah. Something akin to that. And it's just horrifying. And it's like, again, and, and when we say this, it's just, it's like, it's, it's, uh, when, when we talk about the writing with this film, and I hope that everybody's uh, has enough common sense to understand that we're not saying that these people are, like, we think that the writing is brilliant of, the, of this film. Because uh, it's truly just, it, it illustrates these atrocities and how they were framed. I know we're going to probably talk about Ray Fiennes in this as well. And I think that it's just, it's important to talk about how uh, how necessary it was to, to portray these some of these people that are like, and they're not mustache twirling villains, not all of them. And they are, they uh, they almost feel normal. And it really does put this idea of this could be anybody. This could be your neighbor. This could be this person. It's just in every, everybody's capable of it. I mean, even again, one of the most powerful scenes to me is is when that little girl is yelling goodbye, Jews. At, like, yeah. at, at, like, 
that's one that stayed with me ever since I saw that movie when I was younger. It was just like that moment because it is truly just like this. She was taught that by somebody. Yeah. Um, another scene that really resonated with me a lot was, um, or that like really got me emotional was when Ray Fiennes shows up to the the camp, and he gives this like speech to uh like, you know, build morale, I suppose. Um, he tells them, um, you know, for years, hundreds, hundreds of years, generations, um, the Jewish people came here, they prospered, they did really well, they got rich. As of twelve p.m., twelve a.m. tonight, that is that is eradicated from history. That's not a thing. Like, it's basically gone. It never happened. Exactly. That's what he says. Yeah, that never happened. Um, and it, yeah. But then watching, but yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Yeah, like, like that. That scene gives gives you chills because it's going right into this moment and it introduces his his villain in this so effortlessly, and it, and it is truly just this moment of you're looking at this in that scene and the way that they film it is so great. The way that the editing happens, where you're looking at these people as he's talking about it, you're seeing these characters, and I know we were talking this a little bit off mic. But it is tough because I mean some of these actors again a lot of them are Israeli they came like uh, Spielberg talked about how a lot of them came from Israel and a lot of them were just Jewish actors that that he was able to find and trying to you know find people that really related to the subject matter and things of that nature um especially with the more extra parts like the non Ben Kingsley Liam Neeson uh you know kind of the the main the main group but what I thought was very interesting was in that moment, they do such a great job of balancing where whether or not you really fully know who those characters are, you recognize them enough by how he paired them together. Oh, this girl with the glasses is always with her mother. Whenever we see them, we associate them together. And it's like, I don't remember what their names are right now, but I know that they belong together. I I know. And I remember, I like, I recognize the face. I may not be able to identify you know the per because a lot of times the names go by so quickly that i can't remember who was associated with what name and they don't do the classic well john you know how like they don't do that as much in this film because they were really going for that realism but they do that great montage as he's talking about this and you're seeing these people on the morning of the liquidation of the ghetto and you're seeing them all looking at each other and kind of like one of my favorites is like uh, I think it's the husband and wife, and they're just looking lovingly at each other, as as you're hearing, you know, Ray Fiennes talk about the fact that they flourished, like they were all here, they have this history, they flourished in the arts, all of that, and then it's contrasted by the ending of the monologue where he where he goes those those hundred years, there were a rumor, and then they cut directly back to him, and it goes kind of quiet in the sound mix, for a bit. It's no overlapping sounds with other things it's just that and he says those were a rumor they never happened and he says today is history and i'm like that is one of the most chilling moments before one of the most chaotic scenes and talking about a scene that like how the hell did they do it yeah um there were so it, many it, moments like that in continue, the film yeah. too. like um if i think of yeah little standout moments that just really broke me one of them was when the mum does leave her daughter with the other family. Um, oh. And then she goes to run away and the kid 
comes up to her and the kid blows the whistle and then he realizes who she is. And he comes over to her and he goes, they're going to come back. Hide. Please hide. Please hide under the stairs. Please, please. And he's like begging her. And then he goes over and he's like, you know, I've searched the building. No one's here. Um, and he's like, I'll put you in the good line. I'll help you get in the good line. And I was just like, oh, man. Oh, and it's just so brutal. And I mean, some of my favorite scenes in the film, like uh, early on, because uh, because I don't want to skip out. And so I know we're going a little bit further, but I'll, I'll point out some some moments. One of my favorites, one of my favorite introductions of a character in all the film is Oscar Schindler's introduction scene, where yeah, it's I thought all it would be. done. It's all done in close-ups. Like I love it because again, to me, I'm like, again, this is the classic example. Show don't tell. What's the first thing we see? This guy's like pops a cork on a glass of brandy as music's playing and he pours it in and he's taken like, uh, you know, and he takes the glass and we, we just see his hands as he's, you know, putting on the tie, putting on the thing, putting in the cufflinks. And then you see him. My, one of my favorite details was the money. Like, look how bad he is. Like you can tell right away how bad he is with money because it's not all together. It's in a drawer. Here is some in the drawer. Here's some over there. And it's just, it's such an interesting way to, because it's not commenting on this man. It's letting you start making certain associations with this guy. And, the, and then we see the pin. Before we ever see Liam Neeson's face, we see the Nazi pin. And he puts it on his lapel. And you, you immediately know before you start going, oh, it's Liam Neeson. You start just going into it. And it's like, that, that to me was such a brilliant choice. And then he sits down. And you can just see the cog in his head of like, what's he gonna do? Yeah, who am I gonna and he's talk seeing, to? What am I gonna find? Like, who am I gonna talk to? How am I gonna work this? How am I gonna work this room? Because he's, because he just, you can tell that this guy is just, he's got a plan of some kind. And he does the whole thing of like, bring them up. Like, one of my favorite lines is, I, I think it's uh, essentially the first real line of dialogue in the film, besides the names listing at the beginning is going up bring them over a round of drinks well sir what what, well who am i uh to say they are from you can say they are from me and i'm just and i'm just like that's such a good line and again that's a really good job of like drawing you into wanting to know more about this man as well like people are constantly asking i was waiting for that little bit of um of expository dialogue where somebody be like who is that man and be like well, that's Oscar Schindler. He did this, 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 and it just doesn't. It doesn't come. They just keep going to well, the next. It, cu- it comes. It comes. But it cuts. At, it comes at the end of the scene. It comes at the very end after we've gotten all this stuff, and then it is truly just that man of like, who's that? That's Oscar Schindler, and it, then you just see that shot of him like singing with them and mm. that. But to me, what I also think about this film that I I think is so clever is a lot of films, especially a lot of films about very tough subject matter they tend to avoid almost the filmmaking aspects of the film and even spielberg talked about that with this film where he was like i took all the stuff that i had learned over he literally said this and i thought it was great he said i'm i took all the stuff that i've learned over the years all of the you know long takes and the filming of that that stuff and i chucked them out the window i said this is not the time for stuff that gets in the way between the audience and the subject matter and I think that that takes a really confident approach 
to say, no, I'm not going to do this. Like, he's like, I'm not going to do a crane shot into the camps. I'm not going to do these, these like, you know, classic, more filmmaking shots. Mm. I'm going to go less. And, and what he does is, but I, and I would all, almost kind of disagree with it because, but I think it's just so in his blood that he just knows how to tell a good story that you see that scene where it's cutting back and forth. And I'm like that, that opening, it's just so brilliantly edited and all the departments are coming in the John Williams score of this kind of tango that's kind of happening as he's basically getting all of these guys uh, like to I getting like them drinks, you a, know, a lot of the use of like music in the film outside of like the main theme is like it, it's it's diegetic, right? Like the, the characters, yeah, are hearing pretty it much, too, yeah. Um, which I thought was a really interesting touch because you know, it, it again helps just ingrain you in that time period, um, and really get you feeling uh, a little bit more about sort of what the characters are thinking and feeling at that point, like. Um, and I think that was a great touch. Like it's basically the the score in very small doses, very effective moments, silence or diegetic music. Um, oh yeah. And it's a film that yeah could have very well been like incredibly driven by the score. And it, like I said, definitely makes its impact, and it's there, right? And it's John Williams. Like it's phenomenal. He also yeah, as you said, he won an Oscar for this movie. Mm. And uh, like uh, again, add it to the add it to the count at that point. Like you know, just it's uh, at that point when you've won enough of those, like you've got to know that he just at some point just stops stops caring. Yeah. But like, but again, how do you? But how do you not? Like uh, my wife and I, we were talking about it. I'm like that theme. It could have been more complicated. It could have been, like, it, uh, like it could have been more intricate. But it's so simple. That single violin, almost this weeping violin like this one that's just that like you know uh because my wife used to play uh violin and was talking about how uh she learned that piece and what's interesting about it is it's a very simple piece to play but it's all about the emotion with every like you know uh, every brush of the strings like you're you're imbuing it it, it feels human you know, it feels like, because there are things like, again, like the Jaws score, which is like, it almost feels inhuman. The, because the whole thing is it's this force, right? This one feels like it's the, it's haunting. It's this, but it, it but it's not haunting in an overwhelming sense of like dread. It's tragic. But then they, they, they adjust it every now and then. And the beginning is one of those where I think it's the same core theme-ish. But it's but it's mixed to be a waltz, like a tango. And it has that dance to it, which is truly what Schindler is doing at that moment is kind of he's bringing you in and he's br and, and you see Schindler. He's, he's like, all right, I'm going to get these guys. I'm going to get them. And he does. And one of my favorite things I was noticing this and I thought it was really clever. What is the first thing when he's actually sitting at the table with them and they're talking about the new policies for the Jews? What is what is Schindler doing during that moment? Um, is this in the first scene or when he goes to meet with them later when he meets Ray Fiennes? No, for first, no, first scene. Um, do you remember? Not sure that I do. What's happening is he's talking to the maitre d about the wine. 
Yes, he is I do not paying that. Yeah. He is not paying attention to what's happening at that table. Mm. And all during that time, huh. they're talking about like they're talking about, oh, and you know, they're making fun of the fact that the Jews are essentially taking this band and uh, you know, putting in different colors and things like that, basically trying to wear it almost as a thing of pride. Uh, and and they're they're making fun of that because they're like, you know, um, and they're talking about like, oh, well, that's what they do. They weather the storm. And then it comes down to that line of, well, this 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 storm is different. It's not the Romans. This storm is the SS. And going and but all during that time, Liam Neeson is not paying attention at all, which to me, I thought spoke volumes of the character. Like you don't get it fully on the first watch. But the more you watch the film, I, I feel like you kind of get the sense of, oh, this is a guy who truly does not care about what's happening. Well, I think he, something he else that I found really interesting is that it doesn't present him as the hero from the start. Where he doesn't come in and go, this is the guy who's going to save all of them. You know, like, especially early, like earlier in the film where um, that lady comes to him and goes, hey, I've heard of you. You've got a haven. Oh, yeah. Bring my parents out. And he's like, are you kidding me? This is entrapment. Like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Get the hell out of here. I'm going to report you to the mm -hmm. cops. But then he does it anyway. And I like that when he spoke to um, Stein about it, um, he says to him, like, you know, you think I don't know what you're doing? Like, you're bringing yep. these essential workers here. Um, but, like, you know, he, he lets it happen. You know, like, it, mm -hmm. he, he turned a blind eye to helping them so that I guess well he he yeah. well what I love about it is even going further than that like this is why I think the film works is it's not he, I don't think that Schindler's a selfish man he's not like to the point of he what was the whole reason he wanted Jews in the first place and Money. not they were cheaper because it was cheaper it's slave labor as he says at the end of the film it was he's a profiteer of slave labor is basically and he picked what up he a lot was, of women the, as well instead of men so that like they'd be cheaper too like. Well, well, it, well, and I think the whole thing with it was also the idea of he's a womanizer. He's mm. a playboy. Again, oh, he, I love that sequence when he's trying to pick the um, which it's which so funny. It's his... so bad, but it's so funny. Secretary. Like that whole the my my again, but again, this is when I say this film does have humor. This film does have these little moments of humor within it, like which is this whole idea of like it, it's just that one shot. They just let it linger on these people. It's like, how is your typing? Oh, it's okay. And it's like starts out a little well, a little slower. Then it's a person that's like looking at the page and just going there. And then one person that doesn't even realize when the ding has gone off and has to push it back to the other side. And it slowly gets. And there's even one person that's really just giving him the eyes and just kind of going like. Ch it's just so funny but then my favorite part is at the end the clincher where it's just a part like this this secretary was smoking a cigarette just going ching punk and you have ben kingsley walk by and just kind of looks back just like holy shit and then just kind of kind of like goes by and i but that is truly the underrated person in this film that i've always felt like people talk about liam neeson people talk about um ray fines ben kingsley yeah kills it in this role to me it's Zach stern is the hero of this story full-on hero um because i did love him as a character and i definitely agree with you one thing stuck out to me about him um was he wearing a wig 
No, I don't think so. I think that, that was his legit hair. I could have sworn it looked like I could see like the little line of where the wig was there, and I kept staring at it, and I was just like, "Is that?" Is that I found it. I was like getting distracted. If, if, by it. If, if it is, I I I didn't notice, but it's possible. It's possible that it was. Um. Yeah, but, I'm not sure. But like again, it didn't really take away from much of my enjoyment. But I just remember it was distracting me at some point. So I was but just still, just yeah, absolutely. And I was trying to find it, and I'd go back and rewind and go. Sort of. Is that a wig? Is that a wig? <laughs> Um, like, yeah, but I agree, man. Like, he's absolutely, like, the understated hero of, of the film. Well, and, and he's the guy that, from the beginning, he doesn't want to be a part of it. But I think he kind of sees what they could do with it. Yeah. And and you kind of see him start working that angle, you know? He goes, well, if I'm uh, going to be a part of it, I may as well do that. And then this. Well, and that's why that beginning is so great, where he, where, you know, Spielberg, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, Liam Neeson comes up the, you know, into the office where everybody is is literally bringing their complaints about my business has been taken away from me. They they came into my house and told us that we do not live here anymore. Yeah. You know that like people that are coming there with much much more pressing problems. And sure enough, he comes in there and he's basically like, uh, like uh, you know, essentially talking about oh what do you think about this what do you think about namelware or doing this thing i know you did the books for this uh like this company did this and stuff of like that and the guy goes you know so i run the company i do this uh you know what what, what, what what would you be doing and he, and he just goes i like uh i'd make sure that the you know the whole presentation like i'm not good at the work i'm good at the presentation and uh it is just this great thing of like, I don't think anybody is going to be interested in this. And he says like, we'll tell them they should be. And I just, I don't know. There's something about his performance that gets me every time. Uh, and especially to see their relationship grow. Cause at first you could just tell he just can't stand this man. Mm. Like he just, he, he'll do it. Not happy about it, but he'll do it. Um, and then it's, else that... it's, where you go? Well, oh yeah, we'll continue. Like, I think you're gonna uh, continue on with it. Well, there was a um, something else that I wanted to touch on that I've kind of unpacked with Spielberg's films, and I feel like he does a really great job of like setup and payoff. And yes. I noticed this in ET with you know the keys, um, and mm -hmm. in some of his other films all over the place. And in this one, you have you know just something as simple as like Ishtak not taking the drink at the start. And there's a few times that he offers him a drink and then he pours him a drink and drinks it himself. And it's like constantly drawing focus at moments. And right at the end, there was that part where he's like, you know, we'll, we'll, we might catch up again in the future. Like, and then we'll have a drink then. And he just looks at him and he goes, I think I should have the drink now. And you know that that's like a man who knows it's over. And that uh, like I, I'm, so I'm literally hard. tearing up right I'm literally tearing up right now because that 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 scene, without a doubt, if I haven't started crying up to that point, that's the scene that always gets that gets it started because it is truly this guy that we've seen throughout the whole thing, basically kind of being like, as you're saying, not admitting it's over, but like fighting hard against it and kind of being like, not even in a direct way, but just in how he carries himself. But it truly is in that moment of like, and and you even see in Schindler like the idea of like I can't believe we have to have this conversation, and I'm going to try my best to be there for you right now. But I mean, I can't I can't lie to you. And and he goes like, yeah, I'm 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 supposed to arrange the shipments and do that whole thing. And he's like, and he goes, you run my business, like you. It's the closest thing these guys are saying to I love you, like like 
you know, it's the closest these men can come to doing that. I think something else and... the film touches on is um, Schindler's gratitude, this constant theme of the film. And You're absolutely right. It, it seems also that one of the reasons why he then changes his goals towards the end of the film, goes, no, I'm going to get these people out, I'm going to save them, is that, is like, you, these people have made me who I am, I need to do something back from them. The same deal to him, where he go, kind of goes, you know, you ran my business. And then I think in the next scene, he's gone back to Amon, telling him, hey, I'm going to buy all of them. Like, it's, it's like at that moment, he's realized, like, how can I show this man gratitude? Well, even then, he's ready to go. Like, at least according to the film, again, I don't know how, according to the real story, but in the film, it's like, he's ready to go home. He says, you know what, stay for what? You know, like, for money? I have more money than any man could spend in a lifetime. And and again, in the beginning, he talks about all he wants to come back is like two steamer trunks full of money. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and he's very prideful about it. But then the then as you're saying, what does he do? He goes back to like to Aman and go and goes, yeah, I want to buy these people. Like they're my people. And truly, and then one of my favorite scenes is when, like, you know, Stern, they're making the list, right? And Stern looks at him and goes, What did Goa say about all of this? You know, is it just letting you have him? And Schindler doesn't say one word. And then he just goes, You're not buying them. You're buying all every single person on this list. And then and then Schindler stands up and says, If you were still working for me, I would I would expect you would talk me out of it. Like, or I hope you would talk me out of it, sort of thing. And I'm just like, that's such a great, I don't know, it's such a great moment. Cause like even just as a little bit of humor, and then even when they're creating the list and they're talking about like, how many cigarettes have you smoked tonight? I've been like too many. Well, for each one you smoke, I smoke half. (laughs) Like Um, yeah, there's little small moments of levity that kind of keep like, you know, why... Yeah, because like I said it's a difficult watch, and I also saw that during the production, Steven Spielberg invited like Robin Williams to set to do, like stand up and just keep the morale high, and they would watch Seinfeld in between takes and stuff like that. Also, Kit just joined us in chat. Hey, Kit. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad that you're here and ready to talk about the saddest movie of all time. Absolutely, um, Kit. I'm excited to hear what you think of this movie because uh, yeah, we've just been talking about how important this film is in truly just the impact that this has had and uh it's again truly incredible but go into what you're saying yeah like they needed to keep it morale high enough like apparently apparently spielberg called adam sandler because he saw the hanukkah song while he was filming it and they would talk about it and, and and joke about it and it's like just again these little things that was trying to get through because apparently the crew was very respectful as you would hope like it that the way that spielberg said it was like filming in a graveyard yeah um and uh, again it's very intense and but but this is where i talk about when i talk about this film is uh, and i agree with sad this film is very sad when we talk about depressing is it demoralizing when we see what we've done to our fellow man yes absolutely that's what this film hits very hard but i've always felt this film is more heart-wrenching than it is depressing because and I know we're getting into semantics here when people talk about it, because I think ultimately they're saying this film is heavy, as you're saying. Like, the film is heavy, undeniably. But the thing about it is it's about someone who omits this, and the film does not shy away from showing how flawed this person was 
how horrible the situation was and how despite all of this people were still being sent to those camps and people were still dying every day despite these these thousand surviving there were those that were still going into like yes his his jews got out of the gas chambers with just taking showers but then they have that shot of the rest of the line and it reminds you that was that that was the end for the rest of those they didn't have a schindler coming to save them um and 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 i think but i think that the film nails it in that final scene with schindler in the rail yard and he's talking about i could have got worn out yeah, I don't I want to jump too far because I know that that's the ending. But that's like... the first time that you really see like emotion out of him too, because he's quite a oh, yeah. stoic guy. Um, so I think that that does impact a lot. And I actually wrote, they said, I make a lot of notes, just like little moments that I just yeah. Every now and then you see like a cheeky editing trick, and you just kind of like gotta you make a note. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of my favorites was um like the path that was paved with tombstones like i didn't recognize that at oh. the start. i saw them tearing them down but i didn't realize that they turned that into the path yeah that that was something that stayed with me for a longer time and i was like i remember at some i remember at some point watching this and going like oh i, I remember they put tombstones along the path because i just thought that that is horrifying like mm. just that imagery of being like talking about how to strike fear into <clears throat> you know the people at your camp have their tombstones line the the walkways like i'm just like how horrifying that is and i'd look that up to see if that was real like i assumed it was i just don't think that you would make a detail like that without like make that up yeah absolutely and sure and, and sure enough that's exactly what they did in fact they just discovered in 2020 um that that there's like a, a german town that underneath the pavement is a bunch of Jewish graves that they literally used it, that, that they discovered it recently was, it was in a town that actually they are paved on top of. Wow. Like a bunch of, which it was yeah. like, again, horrifying to realize just that whole moment of you're like, Oh shit. Well, there was that moment, but, um, which, yeah, like you, know, it's insanely disrespectful to the people too. So I can definitely like understand that sort of strike fear in your enemy's eye kind of vibe. Um, but they do that really well in the film too. Like there's the other scene with the, uh, with Ray Fiennes and the engineer where she comes in and she goes, Hey, this is my job. This is going to fall apart. You need to redo this, redo that. And he's like, shoot her. And then as he walks away, he's like, can you do what she said? Cause she was right. And I'm just like, it wasn't about whether it was right or wrong. It was the disrespect that it, oh. and that's the second, like, this is what I find so interesting is you notice when the film starts to show you that stuff. Cause at first it's like, again, it's the disrespect. It's that you see like terrible kind of thing, like discrimination happening. Or again, that guy, it's a, it's just, again, it's a horrifying scene, but it's a, but it's a well filmed scene of, I think it's just Schindler walking past and it's almost a blink and you'll miss a moment, but it's the guy who's having, I don't know what it's called in the Jewish religion, but the hair on his head is the German soldiers yeah. and they're cutting it off and making fun of him. Yeah, they put and it it's on like, under their hats and they're like... Yep, and they're like laughing about it. And I'm just like, you're seeing that as it's passing. And then you get to the moments of... But then you have the, the one-armed machinist getting shot first. And that, that, that visceral reaction to it. And then right afterwards, like or like a couple scenes later, 
is that is the engineer scene and you start realizing oh no this is bad this is this is this, we, i mean <clears throat> we knew it was bad but you know spielberg kind of gets you start like he uses it very smartly of how he introduces the violence yeah and and i felt that that was super effective in and then the following scene is the liquidation of the ghetto there were a few and it's like, other oh, sequences there yeah. with with some people who were you know um killed and one of them that also stuck with me was um like the kid who runs away and like the i think the dad runs after him and they shoot the dad down oh. and they pick up the kid and they're walking the kid back and as they're walking the kid over the guy shoots him with a rifle and like launches him backwards out of their hands and i was just like and the feathers come out of the dust and out of the, out of the oh. jacket and all that and it's just yeah well, the one that gets me every time is when it's like uh, the woman's bleeding out, and the doctor's trying to carry her to like like somewhere. So it's like, well, just let yeah. me take her inside. And and, and the, the the Nazi is like, uh, leave her. She's you know, as good oh, as dead. she's as good as leave her. And then he's like, just let me bring her inside. And then just bam, and it's just that moment of like, what the, um, or even the one where it's like they bring the guy out, and it's like, all right, yeah, shoot him. And it's like, well, well, what's happening? And they they take him to his knees and put him on the ground and then just shoot him in the back of the head and then looks back up and it's that woman with the kid that's walking by and he just and he's like oh like hi little kid like kind of yeah. like doing that, that like like completely disassociating and it's that sociopathic nature of this whole thing yeah and even um, going <clears throat> uh yeah sorry that wasn't me interrupting that was actually me clearing <laughs> but but no, no i want to also talk about one like even before all this is happening they introduce the whole idea of like these people being sent off with um that one moment at the train station where stern is taken onto the train dude and, that was bad that was the and, first and, point and, where i was like oh my god no 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 please no and, and, and 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 then it was that moment of yeah he gets him off that train and they say the line in there which i thought was really great which is what, what if i arrived five minutes later yeah where would i be then but then they do something very clever which is they do, and, and again this is what i felt spielberg did so well is they focused on this story about oscar schindler basically it's like okay the, it kind of almost like they treat it as if it's like okay schindler's business this is the story but then the but then to me i'm like it's almost like they left the camera running just a little bit longer and you see the actual story that's being told and slowly what what was kind of like not a b plot because it's all about this but follow me on this example they just start getting closer and closer until the worlds can no longer be separate mm. of like you see in almost the background of everything oh it's him going to go recruit his accountant but in the background of that it's the jews waiting outside this building to complain about the treatment I and agree. then it's him yeah like um, and and the and, and then it's that was one of the most powerful for me because you get there and it's just him walking past but you hear it in the intercom where it's like mark your bags clearly and label it do not take anything with you on the train it will arrive when you get there i don't know what it and is about then, you talking to go Steve, ahead. you sounded yeah. like stephen colbert <laughs> label it i i label it just, um clearly label it i think that that point that you mentioned is also like a, a metaphor for kind of like oscar's life in that film too where he wants to kind of go look i'm just i know this is happening i'm gonna try and profit out of it and just live my life as a good businessman but you kind of like as much as he wants to forget and ignore it like you see in that opening scene it it's not something that it 
allows itself to be ignored. Like exactly. And uh, well, and, and, unavoidable. Uh, it, it, absolutely. But, and then in to that point, and I think the film doesn't necessarily deal with this in so much as the way of dialogue, but Spielberg has often talked about the girl in the red dress being a metaphor for this very thing. Because the whole thing with, uh, it was truly, that's in the script, that was in the initial script, that was in everything, every draft of it was that moment there. Because to Schindler, apparently in his memoir, in the book, when he talks about this, he frequently cites that as the first time where he was up there on that hill, looking at it, and he saw a girl in the red dress. Just a little girl, walking through, and people her age, people older, everybody's being grabbed off the street, people being shot, put on trucks, everything. But they were missing this girl who's wearing the brightest color just walking through the street. And and it, and it was one of the things that he would always talk about was like, that stuck with him. And, and to Spielberg, it was a metaphor for how um, the U.S., Britain, Russia, like all the people fighting in that war, everybody knew. Everybody knew. Like, you know, and it's this idea of it was so obvious. And yet there was no bombing on the railway uh, that from Auschwitz to, to stop that. There was no bombing of the crematorium. There was no bombing of any of that. Like, uh, yeah, casualties would have been high, but it would have stopped the... Uh, it would have stopped the, you know, uh, as uh, Spielberg put it, the industrialization of murder. Mm. And that was how he kind of felt about that moment was that was what he felt it stood for was yeah. how we look we look over and we look past it. It reminds me of another scene, um, which, again, is just like the master at work. And it's when it starts snowing kids opening their mouth and eating the snow and then you're like that's ash that is ashes that is not snow and those are people uh like that was one of the moments that's when i made the face i was sitting there i was watching tv and i was like "Mm -mm, that's not good and then you well and then you get that scene which to this i mean it's just that haunting and again kudos to john williams because when i think about the score this is one of the moments where i think about it in such a like powerful moment was the whole orchestral score that they have there as they're digging up the bodies and burning everything where it's just this haunting operatic like terrifying like you know almost as if it's like the you know all the voices of the dead crying out almost from under the ground of just the horror that's happening. And, you know, they're throwing all of the bodies on there and then talking about the girl in the red dress, seeing her dead body on the, like on the cart as it's being rolled towards, you know, basically just put in the fire. Yeah. Um, And the way they linger on that shot is just, yeah, it's immense. It's insanely heavy. Like we were saying, and there's so many moments like that in the film where it's just like, there's so many like little gut punches, and I think another one that I really like is there's a conversation that Schindler has with Amon, um, where he talks about the power, is the emperor yeah. would would pardon, and he gets him when he's really drunk, and he basically incepts this idea. I was like, oh, he got him. This guy's gonna turn good, and you see him start to explore that side of himself where the guy he walks in the saddles on the ground, he lifts it up, and he grabs the kid by the neck, and then he's like, okay, 
Okay. Don't do it again, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, like... And once he gets to the kid with the bathtub, uh, and and the way that they shoot that, um, no pun intended, um, when uh, Ishtak is is walking down the, the pathway... Uh-huh. And it's like cutting to the kid, and you can hear him. He's like jolting at the shots, and you see him shooting at the kid and missing. And then it pans over to Ishtak, who continues walking, and the kid's just dead in the background. Well, and and to me, I'm like again, that's how I expected some of the things to play out in the beginning of the film. Was gunshot, you don't see it, but then you turn and you see a dead body. Mm. The fact that he shows you all this stuff so bluntly throughout the film and to have a moment like that is just such a powerful you know moment because you're like well now i mean man you know what happens sort of thing yeah and um even the moment of uh what's so powerful about uh, again another another scene that i i thought that they do a good job with as well is the um i just had it on my uh, on the oh it's the hinges, hinges scene. Oh, bro, that was where, brutal. Where, but this is when I talk about good writing. And when I'm like, when you talk about a scene that was really simple, Very but one fact, one fact he- withheld from the audience changes your entire perception of the scene. And when yeah. you watch it, you'll never watch it the same way again. Because it's like, it's one moment where it's like, you're looking at this and what I found so powerful about it was you have this guy walks in there and it's like, I got basically saying, I got to make room, meaning I got to kill some of you and I got to know who's worth keeping. Make me a hinge. Well, the logical thing to do, make a hinge as fast as you can. Yeah, especially because he and times him that, too, right? And well, I think exactly. The he has the watch there. gives you at the start is he just wants to see how good you are. Like, that's it. Yeah. And, well, and that's what the thing is. He takes like you that want information to... and does something horrible with it. Well, and that's the thing is like it starts you off by going, if this guy is slow, he's going to kill him. That that's that's this that's what we're set up with. I think that that's the implicit imagery, that's an explicit objective when you're writing the script. That's at least what I would be wanting the audience to think. And then they do it because even he does say like, "Oh, you're doing good, you're doing good." And that's kind of a little bit of a, oh, that's a that's a weird thing for this guy to say. Like maybe it's just an honorable guy ish. Because, I mean, he kind of seems a little bit of that way, even if he's cold and heart, like heartless that way. It's like he is very just matter of fact about it. But then he gets to the moment of like, oh, look at that. Well done. But I'm a bit confused and maybe you can help me. Uh, you've been working since what, six this morning? And you have such a small pile of hinges. And then that's when it's like. Like, kind of like, and you can see it in that actor's eyes. And then it gets to a great scene, which again, as you're talking about, like, some of the long takes, Spielberg doesn't cut away, doesn't cut away from this, just letting it play out of this guy. They pull out two, the two guns and try many different ways to kill this guy. And it doesn't, it, it just clicks. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And uh, believe in a higher power if you don't or not, but it's like, it's one of those moments where you look at that and you go, that, is an insane moment. And then to hear the guy's ex- reasoning, which was, you know, the the machines were being calibrated. He didn't have a chance to do it. And it was like, and it, uh, and, and it just, it, it moves me every time when I see that moment. And 
I think that that sequence as well in the alleyway is very effectively shot too. Um, like we said, the fact that it is a long singular take and he's click, click, click. Damn it, I've got to fix the thing. And then the whole time you just see the guy sitting there, he hears the click, he's just like bracing for, he, like he knows he's going to die. Um, and then at yeah. the end he just he hits him. And just and then and again they have that line. It's it's a great line where it just goes strange. It's just such a nonchalant line, but it's so again that's with uh, Stephen Salian. Uh, uh, he's the writer on it, um, and uh, he just did such a good job with effective, efficient dialogue. It, it conveys what it needs to. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's unique, but it doesn't take the the front of the scene. And these actors just deliver it so well that it's such a powerful thing. Like even the idea of that the the minute where they're in um it's Amon and Schindler's first meeting, like where they're talking and it's like anything uh, good. We're talk- anything good? I meant the uh, food. Well, we're talking about this. I meant the. And then he says he's like, "That's a nice shirt. Uh, how much? Uh, where where would you find the shirt?" And then he goes, "Well, the man who probably made it is probably dead. I don't know. I was hoping you could tell me." Yeah. And, and it's just such a good scene. Um, yeah, I think that I, that's something that, and I think, yeah, like we said, it won best uh, best screenplay too, I believe. Um, absolutely, it did. It's it just, you know, like it's difficult <laughs> to talk about <laughs> yeah. the film. It's just like everything is done so well. Like I don't think another scene I'd love to talk about is um, with Amon and is it Helen? Um because I, I yeah, really, yeah. really appreciate it. I texted you when I saw the scene of Liam Neeson goes down to the cellar and just talks to her, and she's treated like a, a human. And you can just see it yeah. in her voice already. And there's that moment where he goes to give her a kiss, and she... And know, she shies pushed, away. Yeah, and he's like, no, no, it's not that kind of kiss. And it's literally just like pure, like, human love. Just like, hey, I, I hear you, I see you. Like you're not invisible, kind of love. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, absolutely. And I really, really loved how that scene was shot as well, with the camera just kind of like being far away, and it just pulls you in. You know, like it's one singular take, and it's a beautiful, beautiful performance. Um, and, and and that's when I talk about like also the you're talking about the it's the uh, you know we talk about show don't tell, but also I do think that there are cases. And I think it's often, it's just, a, if it's a really well-written scene and a, you have a good actor, you can absolutely tell don't show. Mm. And that's one of those where that worked. You didn't see these. You didn't see the whole thing of like, because they do that a couple times in the film where it's like they talk about it and you see it too. Like it's a corresponding with it. And the, and it made me think of another scene I'll talk about in a second, like, but we'll, we'll stay on topic with this one. Uh, but you see the fact that you know, she's talking about like this person wasn't shorter or fatter or this. I couldn't think what she had done. You know, that whole thing that she's saying. And it's just such a great performance by that actress. Uh, again, I don't know her name, but uh, it's an incredible moment that if you were to cut to something, I feel like it would ruin it because it's it's all about how it impacted her. It's not about necessarily this other person. Mm. It's about her, you know? And it's just, I mean, it's effective. And then it's contrasted with, I think, the scene that you're about to bring up with Oman coming down there. And it's interesting because he's still coming from 
like a place of like not, not meaning to be taken the wrong way but like it's coming from a place of like love like he's in love with this girl clearly in but his demented because of way everything uh... um that he knows knows about their people he's like disgusted in himself and feels guilty at himself for loving her and when he gets really close and he's like you know we're both lonely like sometimes i want to touch you in your loneliness and like this kind of commentary and it's really close and i was like maybe like that's his human side showing and then he just like pulls away from it he's like but no like and and the, the performance from ray finds there where he's saying uh um are these the eyes of a witch like these like and he, he's he's talking to like her features um and you know is this the hair of like a witch or a, a jewish person or what, whatever he was saying i can't quite remember off the top of my head but it's this beautiful monologue where he's, it seems like it's like you're almost there, buddy. You're almost there. Uh, yeah, and then it, it's like it, he just can't wrap his head around that this is a person. And like, even it's at the end, the, when the training and the conditioning can't do it. Yeah, and even at the end, when Oscar tries to like buy her, he's like, "No, I'm, she's not going. I'm taking her with me to Venice." Um, and Oscar's like, "You, you can't do that." And he's like, "They're not gonna let you do that." Yeah, he's like, "I know." I know I can't do that. I should take her out the back and shoot her in the head. That's the humane thing to do. And, and, and exactly. And he says that word. Like, he says, like, I would do the anything. I think he even says it even worse than that. I'd do what any decent man would do and take her out in the back and shoot her in the back of the head. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, but that's like, but that's how far. Again, when we talked about earlier, it starts in small steps. But it gets to this point where this person is purely just doing that. And I just, I don't know. It's just one of those horrific things where again you hear him talk about it like if we're talking in purely character terms he's like again horrible person all that but like to talk about the scene he truly finds her like he like in his own demented way like he loves her but he can't reconcile that fact within himself because you can't love something that's not a person yeah that's like that that's how at least in his mind that's how it is and you see him wrestling with that fact. And again, as you said, you're almost there, buddy. You're almost there realizing how much bullshit this is. But you can't do it. You're incapable of it. I think there was an element of and, him that, like, he almost liked it too much. Like, they go above and beyond to show you that he likes killing. He's not a good person. He's an evil man. And I feel like there's evil tendencies and that feeling of, like, the kind of power and control I have over these people is worth more to me than the love I could get from this person. Uh, which is a really interesting dynamic to give your main antagonist, I suppose? Like, Yeah, but, but villain. Like, Let's just call him what it is. It seems like he's a villain for the film, right? But then I feel like a lot of the times, like, I don't pick up on him working against Oscar. They're kind of, like, both just doing their job. Um, oh yeah, well again, and one thing as you're saying, really interesting he is the antagonist in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the thing that I found really interesting was when Oscar goes to jail, who's the first person to yeah. go to bat for him? Like, and not to like we said to to be like an apologist for his actions or anything, because again, you know, hanged for crimes against humanity, is deserved, understandably like, so and rightfully so. Yeah. If anything, that's almost like going and saying, I think he got let off a little too easy you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, and there are those little, little moments of humanity that just peek through that make you go like, come on, like, you you could get there. Well, he well, he lies to the, the, would, the higher yep. officer. He goes, you know, like, these, these two women, like, uh, they, they have, like, superpowers, they control you. I see women all the time. She was so beautiful. And is, I think another thing with their is intention... That, 
when she came yeah. through, like she, like I mean, they were they were at the camp, right? So she didn't, she wasn't like the picture of beauty. You know what I mean? Like she came through, and she yeah. was clean and um, like all of these things that, as all of them are, like, like you know, exactly. Like, and you can see how he's actively lying to get this guy out of jail, and then like. I want to talk at length about how well edited this film is, but one of the things that I wrote down was literally just the... He, he stands up as the officer comes in and... and um, yes. It's, sit down. And as he sits down, And then it's, it's Oscar. Oscar sitting and down. I was just like, oh, you assholes, you got me. I love it. Right? I loved that. Right? It's, it's like, again, and that's what the film does so well. Another thing that I thought was... But, but, but before we get too far off of Amon, it's what we talked about with JJ, right? These characters are complicated. These are complicated. They're people. And I think that if you were to make Amon this unfeeling Terminator-ish villain, it wouldn't be as horrifying. Mm. It would be easy to go and say, oh, he's just a terrible person. Yeah. But when you see those little bits of humanity, the fact that he goes and he has drinks with his mates, or that he's like, oh, I don't want to give you my cold. Yeah. It's like, nah, they're, they're this, guy, this, this fucker's that. a person. Like he's not, and 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 again, Ray Fiennes deserved his uh, like supporting actor nomination here because he could have played it in a different yeah. way, but he 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 allowed this character to have so much dimension in a way that, as you're saying, a lot of these guys that that's how they thought, and it's fucked up. But we're not going to have this nuanced conversation about his character if he's just a cartoon villain. Yeah, you know. Something else that I picked Oscar. up on with, with, with him, sorry to, to interrupt, just like, I've no, no, go ahead. Go, go. leave my mind, I don't want to lose it. And with the character of Amon, because you see these little moments of him potentially overcoming that evilness and coming back to like his, his human form, it makes him more terrifying because you then start to question every like good intention thing he does. When he comes down the stairs that first time and you've already seen him um, you know, pardon the kid and you guys have seen him and then he comes through and he it's very unsettling to watch him start to do good things because you go and I'm, you know i say good in the loosest of air quotes right because he's Lewis trying air. to in his mind he's going this is the right thing like we we love each other and like we should be together like that's him trying to be good but it's so unsettling because naturally you see that she's terrified of him um and oh you have yeah the perspective of one person who's totally in love and the other person who's just unilaterally terrified um yeah and that the way that that balance is is carried in that scene is just phenomenal and like i said the and also how respectfully there is how unsettling... it's yes absolutely like, like like from a filmmaking standpoint purely yeah. like like as you're saying like it's it, it treats her with so much respect she doesn't even have a line in that scene hmm. and yet he's treating it as if they're having this back and forth conversation and yeah. again Great you, performance. You nearly tricked me. You nearly tricked me. You almost did. And it's like, she didn't say a word the whole time. You just went on this journey, like on your own inner turmoil. Yeah. You know? And and going back to what you're saying, it, it is truly just, you have this guy that's just doing this. And it's just like, in his mind, again, as you're saying, it is terrifying. Because having seen what he did before with Oscar's advice, is he going to kill her? Is he going to kill her right here and now in front of us? Like, yeah, you know, like I'm right there with you where I think that, you know, it, it is truly just that horrifying moment. And 
again, I think that the, this film succeeds because it also, and I think you were talking about it in a second where it was like, the thing is, the film does that as it shows you he had all these opportunities and it also makes you question, at what point is this a choice that you are continuing to do this? Because mm. you don't have to. I mean, you like, ultimately, you'll probably be shot and hung. Like, you'll either either be shot or hung. But, like, um, uh, you know, if if you didn't. But, nonetheless, you're making a choice right now not to do this other thing. And, uh, you know, that whole moment where you're seeing him go and... Uh, it also makes you think about Schindler in the same vibe, where Schindler didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to. Absolutely, he did not have to do that. And, but eventually he starts to do it. Like, even you brought up it before, that, that scene where they call his place a haven, and he's like, no, that's, it's like, again, you don't think this I know what's... place of work, you, you yeah. Yeah, you don't think I know what you're up to? Like, that whole scene, but then he says at the very end of it, it's like, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for me. You know, the whole thing of, and it's like this whole thing of, and he's even talking about Amon. And then one of my favorite little lines from Ben Kingsley, it's just because it kind of shows the dynamic of their relationship growing, is that moment where, you know, it's it's Amon and he's saying, you know, um, uh, kind of your, uh, like he's talking about like, well, it, war brings out the worst in people, never the good, always the bad, always the bad. And, uh, and he goes, uh, you know, if it wasn't the war, he'd be all right. Like, he's not, like, you know, and it's kind of like, it's almost a little bit of a funny thing, which is Schindler just kind of going, he's a, he's a wonderful crook. Like, you know, he's a wonder, like, and then, and then uh, Ben Kingsley just goes, uh, like, he, like, he likes wine, he likes women, and he says, and killing. And it's like, he can't enjoy it. And then, you know, Tells Kingsley talks about that. To... Uh, and it cuts to seeing him shoot the people all around the guy who tried to escape or things like that. And then it's like killing all of them. And they went until his pistol was empty. And then it's this whole thing of, well, what do you want me to do about it? And then he goes, nothing. We're, We're just talking. talking. Yeah. And that's the first time that I actually felt that that was the case, you know? And, and then that's when he also looks in and he goes, you know, I think oh, Goldman. Is, oh, no. Uh, Pearlman, where it's like, Yana and Joseph Perlman, husband and wife. And it's that whole thing of basically, it's the first time Schindler actually starts choosing to do that. He was letting it happen before, but now he's actually choosing to, to let it happen. Like he's using it, you know? And I thought that that was just such a elegant way of doing that. Yeah, great. And, and I think that uh, going back to what you were saying about the editing, that's a great example of the editing. Another one that I love was um, in the beginning when he's telling, uh, I think he's either telling Stern or the black or the uh, black market guy. Oleg. What? What? Yeah, Oleg. Uh, I think he was telling Oleg what he needs. I think and he it was, was like, I want chocolate. Something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, um, and he's talking about the idea of. Uh, you know, I need, uh, you know, chunk chocolates, the size of my fist, like the size of my fist. And, but you're seeing how he gets all these. Like, it's just such a great thing. Cause I mean, it could have been easily, those could have been two separate scenes, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of like giving you the list. All right. Well, now I got to go and actually do it. But the way that they do it, it's like a better call Saul kind of ish montage of like this thing of like so mm -hmm. much is conveyed 
in this moment of showing you how difficult it is to get this, but how efficient it is at doing it and how these businesses are still happening. It's still being run. Mm. Like people are clever. People are able to still make it happen. And then it goes to the scenes of like all the Nazi officers getting it. And all throughout the time, he's just told he just wants this letter dictated and you're seeing the people and then it cuts to the guy and they're they're saying it at the same time that oscar is yeah uh i think that it's, it's um so... mm. it's one of my favorite things that edgar wright does so well in his filmmaking um and something that like is a remnant of his kind of filmmaking that stayed in like ant-man the first film where they do like the flashback sequences with with luis and they're like the, they're the best parts of the film um mm-hmm. But I was actually just considering as you mentioned that, because, like, you know, as you watch it, you go, like, yeah, it makes sense, and it keeps you engaged, and it, it, it's cool, right? But I consider how, like, as you said, they could have been separate sequences. And we're talking, like, five-hour film. <laughs> There's a game called Majora's Mask, um, which has the time travel mechanic. And when they were making this game for the Nintendo 64, originally they had seven days' worth of, like, quests. And you would have, day, like, you basically play seven days, go back in time, replay those seven days in a different way, and go back and forth and back and forth. And it's heralded as one of the games with, like, the most amount of, like, content. Like, one of the densest games ever. And I was reading an article with the producer of the game and the director. Um, and he was... Uh, the guy's name is A.G. Alnuma. Um, and he was talking about how they had originally created seven days worth of like side quests and content and things that happen over those three days. So they have all these complex stories, right? And if you mm-hmm. play the game, there you go, kids played uh, Majora's Mask. When you play the game, <laughs> if you go to one area, you'll experience like an in-depth story with these characters over three days people finding love and people who lose these things and then they find them and if you don't do certain things it all goes out the it's crazy dude it's insane nintendo 64 era like late 90s like insane that's that's like so ahead of its time exactly but you talk about how they planned this game to have seven days worth of content and then they were like fuck (laughs) it's too big and so they were like we can do three days but they didn't get rid of the content so they packed seven days into three days, and now when you play the game, it has hundreds of hours of gameplay in like a little three-day turnaround time because you keep repeating stuff, and when you miss something or you do something the wrong way, the story goes a completely different direction. So you need to go back and restart the day and play it properly to see the end of that story. Otherwise, these two characters won't fall in love, or this won't happen, and this wedding won't happen. And the credits that play at the end of the game play dependent on how you finish the last run of those three days. Ooh. Um, I could talk about this for hours, but um, the point that I'm more focusing on is the fact that like it could have been a similar experience with this film. that They, they had all this stuff, and they were like, we need to kind of... We still need it all. We still have it all. Yeah. But we need to get it down to this nice, it's, uh, yeah. easy three hours and 15 minutes, you know? I know. Which can, which kind of speaks to the volume of like probably what they had. Because if, if, the, if the shortest cut of this film is, is three hours and 15 minutes, it's like, damn, that's not. But again, as we talked about earlier, where it's like, you know, what I think about this film and what they could be doing. And I think it all comes down to, I mean, again, the, the final scene is just so powerful, right? Like the, the whole the whole thing with it. And I just, I 
think that it's such a great moment when Schindler comes down at the end and basically is, is talking about the idea of uh, looking at the Germans that are a part of his camp and saying, I know that you have, I know that you have orders to come and exterminate the population of this camp. Now would be a good time to do it. Just here they are, they're all other. here. And, and oh, and you gotta know they're like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. After all like this. going, we made it out of all this, you son of a bitch. Like kind of going, uh, but basically looking at this and having that moment and then having them like, or you could leave Arms and return family, to your family uh, as, as men and not as murderers. Great line. Fantastic and, and, line. And I'm just like, mm, that's just so good. And you just see the, the, that young kid just be the first one to go out. And I I love the fact that Schindler ends up with nothing. And then it gets down to that last scene where he talks about, and, and this is, again, you're talking about plants and payoff. First, that again, before we ever see Schindler's face, we see that pin. And that pin is oh, there. Oh, you fuck the whole up. Thing. I didn't even think of that. Oh my God, and, I hate you so much. And, and then at the very end of the movie, and also talk about symbolism in that scene. We see that pin a you lot You have that too. moment at the end. Oh, yep. And then the whole thing is by the end of it, he pulls off the pin and he talks about the fact that this is gold and for this emblem of, and it could have been anything. He could have talked about the watch. He could have talked about anything. He talks about this pin. And to me, I go, I don't know if that was based on something that actually happened in the book or things like that. But regardless to me, I'm like, it's the Nazi symbol. It's a swastika. For a pin of the Nazi flag, he could have gotten a person. And I think there's just something about the irony of that or the just the drama of that that is just so powerful. And of course it breaks him because he's looking at the car and he's like, why did I keep the car? You know, like 10 people right here. And he talks about like, I didn't do enough. Mm. And that's why I look at, I ultimately look at Schindler. And again, I think that he did a really good in this situation. Like again, the project I was a part of, we looked at a lot of people who are righteous among the nations. And there were a fortunately a fair amount of them and i think that it's an important thing in the topic of the holocaust to know that there were people that did something like not enough but still better than none yeah and i think that this film shined a light on that i'm not it was kind of funny even to see um yad vashem and the righteous uh being mentioned at the end because that was what we were focusing on were people that are declared righteous uh by yad vashem and that was a very powerful, powerful, you know, moment. And I mean, Liam Neeson just breaking down and, you know, Ben Kingsley saying, you know, Oscar, there will be, uh, there will be generations because of what you did. Mm. And man, it, it, and this is, I kind of wanted to transition into this. When we talk about film as a whole, like beyond all of this when i talk about this film and i think why it's uh on letterbox it's in my top four films of all time and i i, I would put it there uh because i think that it's to me i would uh, i mean i think it's hard to argue about you know when we talk about rating things five out of five right or like things like that to me there's no number i can give this film because it feels like no matter what it is to give any other film the same number feels like it's diminishing this film because i'm like this film goes beyond just being a film to me it is a moment that you sit down with someone and watch what we do to each other 
in, in more than I've seen in any other film. And again, I'm sure there are other incredible examples of this that did similar, but I'm hard pressed to find one that does it as effectively. Again, I brought up 12 years of slave earlier. I think that that's in this camp as well with this regard. Um, but the thing about this film is just it, you watch it. And I don't know, it, it's not again, clearly not every film needs to be this, nor should it, because, uh, you know, it's a very hard watch. Bless you. But uh, uh, it, it's one of those things that to me, I. But I do think it's as you, as we brought up before, I think it's one of the most important films. And it what it's what proves to me that film can be more than just entertainment mm. or just this. This is art to the nth degree. Yeah, I get that. Um I don't know. I wanted to know what you thought about that. And like obviously, like with I mean, obviously, like every film is different and so many films don't have this goal. Nor well, should they. There was a couple of things I wanted to touch on because I think before I jump into that point, just on your previous point, talking about that final scene with Liam Neeson, I think another really effective moment is when he gets the ring and he drops it. And again, it's a man who's kept his composure this entire time. You know, like he's been most likely subject to lines of questioning and all this kind of. He's always just been fine. The second he gets the ring, he just looks at them and he's dropped straight away, and he just, he just can't fathom that what he feels wasn't enough for, like, making up for his people's horrible treatment of this other population that they believe that he did enough. And when they write the letter and they give him the letter, and it's just like... Yeah, even that moment mm. where he's just breaking down and crying and they all come over to give him a hug, it just... It really broke me. But um, I agree with you in terms of, like, your understanding of how you might, like, rate this film. Like, I even... I was watching this film, and I mean, I've told you a couple of my pet peeves with film, and I don't know if you noticed, but realistically, this film lives in one of the biggest pet peeves I have around, like, how language is used in film. I, yeah. I constantly think, you know, if you want your characters speaking English, and that's them speaking their language, that's fine, I'm okay with that, but then let's remove the accents, there's no need for accents, because they don't speak with an accent when mm -hmm. they speak German, um, I think your original language shouldn't show up anymore because they're, then they're speaking a different language. Just like the, the, the rules that you are planting in this universe need to be on it. That mm -hmm. being said, I get it. Like, I don't think this film would have had the same impact on me if it were in German and Polish. Um, and I could actually see that it was an intention of Spielberg to film this yeah. in its original languages and decided against it and I agree. I think he made the right choice. So yeah, that that while, was what I was thought was powerful too. While in any other film, I might look at this and go, "Well, that's what I, I don't like it when films do that." That's just I, I don't like it. I had no yeah. problem with it in this film, zero. Um, and I felt that even he kind of created these new rules where he almost showed the morality of people, for lack of a better explanation, by how German they were. You know, the more of an accent they mm. had, the kind of more in that case. The more inhuman that exactly. we kind of, yeah. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, Germans are inhuman or anything like that. But of course, that time, absolutely not. Again, a like, lot of people... People that were do... raised in that, you know, basically ended up being like, yeah, it's like some kind of 
cult almost like he just uh, that mentality specifically within this what spielberg was showing within this moment again i don't think that he was in to go with that but again i i think that it's fair to say i mean again even us again we have shit ton of things to be like again it, it is everybody racist? Is everybody doing this and that? No, but we all have to acknowledge that we were a part of a, a system that allowed for it. You know? Yeah. I'm just reading and here as like... well that um, Spielberg had offered the job to Roman Polanski. But he turned it down oh, because he, he lived in the ghetto until the age of eight. He escaped on the day of a liquidation. His mother later died in Auschwitz concentration. Well, thank this. God it wasn't. Well, thank thank God it wasn't Roman Polanski. Let's just say that, like you know. Yeah. Well, after learning this, Spielberg immediately and repeatedly apologized for bringing up a traumatic memory. However, Polanski would later direct his own movie about the Holocaust, um, which had many autobiographical elements. The Pianist, which yep, I love. That film Never seen is... it. Wow. Yep. So it's we're like gonna. This. Uh, it's like this. Um, yep. It, it is. That's what I've heard. Uh, but, but it's powerful. But yeah, going powerful. But I do, but I do go with the Roman Polanski of it all. I'm like, well, that the uh, let's. Harrison I'm sure Ford my, was considered but... for the title role. Yep, I remember that. I remember them talking about it, and it's actually kind of funny. I think apparently a Mark Rylance, who would later go on to win an Oscar for his role in Spielberg's film Bridge of Spies, he was actually Spielberg's, I believe, first choice for Itchak Stern. Because he saw him in a play. But then what happened was, like, he was unavailable at the time. And so he went to Ben Kingsley. But it was just kind of funny to me that out of everything, well, and apparently uh, Kate Capshaw, uh, his wife, and Spielberg went to Liam Neeson's play that he was in. And that's where they saw him. And it was like, oh, we got it. We got we, That's Oscar Schindler. That's, hmm. that's who it is, you know? And I got to say, like, Liam Neeson in this film is just truly like it's absolutely just the um you know I I don't know I think that it's just a it's a really intense I, again just I think that what what happens is at the casting of this film was pitch perfect I mean as you were talking about Ray Fiennes earlier I thought we were watching like, Schindler's has... list <laughs> <laughs> not the time but uh i don't know i think that this like going back to what you were saying earlier and even um a scene that we skipped over i think for understandable reasons but uh, I, I would feel remiss if we didn't before we go on to i think talking about the overall impact of this film and i don't know going in what we truly i don't know what we truly take away from this film and i'm curious to hear how you feel because you talked to me that you finally get spielberg and things like that and i want to talk about that a little bit um but we have to talk about that auschwitz i have never felt dread like i did in that scene and even to the point where when they were okay i refused to believe it i thought uh-huh. that the showers came on and they're freaking out because they knew because of the stories. And I was sitting there like, don't do this to me. Like, I, I can't, I can't watch this now. Like, I was almost like, I need, I'm gonna need to turn this off or skip this. Like, I'm not gonna be able to just watch this happen. And, um, then the showers come on and they're laughing and they're kind of like, ah, oh, it's okay. But I was like, it's like false sense of security. Like, it's not okay. Like that the showers coming on and then the gas is gonna come in. Like, the, 
don't be happy. Um, and then, mm-hmm. like, luckily they were okay. But yeah, I think it but also, I mean, as man. I think you were talking about before, did a great job of showing us, like, what would have been going through the minds of those people as that was happening. Um, and I think it puts boy in the striped pajamas does the same thing. Like, it's it's very very confronting well and it truly is that moment right where it's like you i mean again they, they do a talking about again a classic spielberg planted payoff talk about the scene earlier in the film where they're kind of brushing it off as a scary story where it's like oh it couldn't be true you know they would have been gassed if they were there who's there to tell the story yeah you know who's there to tell like if that's the case and then but can then i put in there for just one they, moment sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just because I feel like that's another element of the film that works really, really well. The fact that we know this stuff happened. So those moments of the worst is behind us and we go, no, it's not. No, no, or no, no. That no, moment no, where they, no, oh, no, no, it's, no. it's just a story. Like, I'm sure it's not real. And you go, mm, it's I mean, not a story. It, 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 like, it that is. element <laughs> of it is very powerful. But you were saying, please continue. Well, but yeah, but but like going with it, like again, what they do so well with the film is also just the whole moment of like you know you see the men arrive at the train station, right? Like, and it's like, and the women will be here soon, and it's like you see that like there, it's similarly cut sequences, and then you see them, and, and Spielberg kind of gives you a moment, and it's that, which is so fucking chilling, is when the kid uh puts the finger on the throat and just does, and it's just a quick shot at first, and it's kind of. This, what what did we just see? And, and then it's that it slow-mo down. underneath the train. And I'm like, he doesn't do that all that often in this film. And that's why it's like, it stands out because I mean, you got to know that's what the person was thinking in that moment. That's what it felt like I to like see the, that kid. I don't know if like is the right word, but like the use of like the juxtaposition of the men's travel and the women's travel is really interesting too. How like, you know, you have like Ishtak who's like, grab another thing of ice. All right, guys, let's turn this into water. And it's like... And- and then you see like the yeah. women traveling, and it's like somewhat similar. And they're talking takes, about it; just takes a turn. They're talking about food. Oh, but, and... but, yeah, they're talking about like, oh, I don't like tune. It's like, oh, that's not how you make tune. It's just like it's it's such a great and it's disarming because we're but we're like we just saw the men the men arrive, the women are on their way. Why would this be any different? Mm. And then you see that title card pull up as they're getting into this thing, and it's just right there, and it just says Auschwitz. And to me, it's like the as you're talking about dread, I'm getting my hair, my the hair is standing up on my arms right now, just talking about like that moment where it's just like you just see that title card pop. Not a single other word needs to be said. You just get that one word, Auschwitz. You know, and it's and, and I mean, it's like it's just it's we all look and we're like, we know. oh, because we know like what they don't know, and it's and again, and then I love the first line that somebody says after that, which is, "Where are the list makers?" And you know they all, all of a sudden, have this moment of absolute dread. And going, but we're Schindler Jews, as they're kind of just being ushered off. And Who's you know, Schindler? And well, it's the whole thing of, like, you're getting in this moment, and they're ushered off so quickly. And to me, it kind of, the, the watching this one, I don't know why it didn't hit me as hard on other watches, but this time, just how quickly they did. Yeah. And how this was, so... this was, again, this was a machine. This yeah. was a machine. It was like it strikes me shit. as um like uh, like stock being taken to like slaughter. Like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a machine, right? Like it's you see scenarios of like or like um footage of 
uh, like, you know, meat processing plants and stuff like that, and you see them bring lambs and cattle and stuff in, and it... And that's what it was? It's that. It's very much, it's very dehumanizing. It's very much like, ah, oh yeah, nice, that's cute. Like, yeah, keep moving. Like, let's, we've got to get you in the place. And yeah, exactly. I think that and, and, the way that he lingers mm-hmm. on all of those moments, you know, oh, they cut their hair and they took their clothes because of this and that, and then you see them taking their clothes. But you know what's not, but you know what's the not there with together. Go ahead. Oh, and you, and you know what's not there? Like, at least when you're talking about that, but the thing that gets me every time is they don't focus on, oh, we're going to need you to take your shoes off. They don't have that moment. It's like, they know what's happening in this moment. And you can see it, and it's just, we're staying with them. It doesn't matter that they were told this. We are now seeing everything they were talked about as they are realizing what situation they are in because of the story they told earlier. And you see the fear on all these women's faces as they are, like, you know, just just tying their shoes together as their hands are trembling. And that moment of being ushered into that room and you can just tell they're just like no 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 like like they're just kind of that whole thing of like and it's just that agonizing thing and i heard spielberg talk about filming that scene and he said you know a lot of those people were israeli actors he said uh suffice to say i don't think anybody was acting that day yeah and you can feel it like i've never like i, I didn't fully appreciate on previous watches how personal that feels if we feel like we've entered there too like we feel that dread of looking at those nozzles and going this is it yeah this is it after everything we've been through this is it yeah that's how it's gonna end um i i know uh another scene in the film that had very similar impact on me was when they gather the people around and they make them all get undressed and like they're gonna get rid of them and they're like no it's okay go put your clothes back on and they're all this relief that they sense it again. It's very disarming, right? It's the same tool that he used at the end of the film. But he comes in, he disarms you by going, "Okay, cool. The the the, the people that we're following are going to be okay." And then the kids are being taken away on the trucks, and they turn around, and the shrieks of like terror and... of mothers, mothers, fathers running, and the kids at are like, "Bye, we're I'm... going to like they don't know where, they don't know what's happening they don't know where they're going they think they're going and for they're a cool all... trip and they think the parents are waving at them and the parents are like get off jump off yeah and, and it's just that like i was bawling my eyes out at that point because i was just like that moment is just terrifying just that utter fear of like they wouldn't they wouldn't like they wouldn't do this and just that oh broke me like that moment of just like oh just imagine seeing that there's nothing you can do and and it's brilliant how they film that because they show the reaction shot and then they show the kids as they're passing along and then the camera almost as if the camera is noticing just turns when you see them rushing it's not it's not designed i mean obviously it was designed but it was like it doesn't feel like it was a oh again as we talked about earlier oh let's do this really cool shot it's like it felt like very organic it was not it was not um polished like it wasn't supposed to be a moment because it wasn't supposed to be a moment to these people either yeah and it it wrecks me because of all of that and and again just to see those kids and you see it even like when, as we were talking about, like when the, those the women get out of the showers and they look back and they see these people just lining up, just going in. Then you see that chimney, 
just pumping out those ashes and it's just like again it just it it hits you just right in the chest like just a absolute and i don't know i just and going back to what i was saying like that's why this film is so powerful yeah and that's why again it's like it's why i i consider it important because when you yeah, go, go, please. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I was just anything. considering how, like, I don't think you can make a movie about this subject matter and this time period and it not be emotional. Um, mm -hmm. It's because it's such, like, heavy subject matter. Like I said, it's almost like... It's, it's it, Like you said, you, nobody would watch a film about this and go, oh, yeah, cool, that happened, and move on with their life. You know, it's always going to impact you because you know that it happened. But the fact that not only does he take that subject matter and tell you a, a story about it, but it's also like one of the most well-crafted films uh, I've ever seen. I think is insanely, mm -hmm. it's commendable and like you know, it, like you said, it should be remembered for that too. Like, and he said himself, if he has two films he could get remembered for for his entire life, it's E.T. and this. That's all he wants mm -hmm. to be known for. He doesn't care about anything else, and. Like I said, this film could be honestly 10% as good as it was and I would still have felt a lot of the emotional impact but the fact that he took that and elevated it as far as possible with people who clearly were at the top of their game through the entire production. Everybody just, gave a shit. Yeah. You know, and and you're as you're saying, like it, it's John Williams talking about. You talked about that earlier about the idea that, like, you know, he he says, uh, you know, the fact that you need someone better. He when when it, yeah, like uh, you know, you deserve someone better to do this film, and uh, and then again Spielberg saying, yeah, I know, but they're all dead, and just again that the everybody knew what they had. Again, I, I think even when Clint Eastwood said. Uh, announced that Spielberg won Best Director. Uh, he he had a moment where um, uh, he was announcing announcing it. He goes he goes and the winner is oh and this is a big surprise Steven Spielberg. Like just go like and it's like everybody just knew that that was going to happen because he deserves it. The film deserves it. And again, as you're saying, not just as what the story was, but as commendable as a piece of art can be. Mm. And when we talk about the difference between films, movies, cinema, or whatever you want to do with it, and again, while I do feel that there is a certain level of that that is kind of bullshit and, like, you know, to each their own, I think that the reason we do have these conversations about what is art, what's not, or even beyond that, or, like, what should be, you know, remembered as, like, a great film. Yeah. And to me, to me, I, I know that there are, like, these works that are essentially, like, the great works, right? And I, I, I put Schindler's List as like, if you're going to make a, when we talk about best picture at the Oscars, again, now I feel like it's kind of become a bit of a joke to a degree. But my feeling is that you have, but this truly is one of those that I'm like, this is best, the best picture. Mm. Like there is no, like that gives that title a whole new meaning films like these and again it's why we put the title as this it's like i just i truly believe and i'm glad you felt the same way that there are films and then there's this and you're not going to get that all ballgame. the time if they're playing a different league it's not even the same fucking game at that point yeah 
you know. I think we spoke a little bit about before we went on stream to it. I don't think we actually discussed it here, but a lot of the really hard hitting moments in this film, particularly because it's also shot in black and white or you know like finished in, in black and white. Um the fact that it's shot somewhat like a documentary for a lot of those really, really heavy moments, I think also elevates the emotional aspect of it because it doesn't feel crafted. It doesn't and like you said, in a film somebody shoots somebody in the head and it's pretty consistently cut away and you hear it or moved somewhere else and it's played for jokes or laughs or something and you go, okay, cool, that happened. Or sometimes it happens and it's just kind of like a boom and it happens off screen. And in this, every character gets, um, you know, it, it, it lingers. Um, and it's not a... You sit with it. Yeah, and you're kind of forced to come to terms with the fact that like, okay, cool, the humane thing to do is to shoot somebody in the head and then they don't have to deal with it. But like, look at how the impact this has on everybody else around. The doctor trying to save a life, the um, like the dad who was just brought out like, oh, you? Cool, you down. And then, you know, playing with the kid's cheeks and like, yeah, it's it, it's immensely heavy. Oh, and as you're saying, like, again, it's one of those things where, a, a and that's a choice. That's an alienating choice. You know that's not going to fly well with this. But it's one of those things where, but they did it. And they said, that's what this deserves. That's what, the, and again, I just, I, I think that there are films like this where it truly, you see everybody operating at a top point. It's why I, I recommend it to people. Because it's not just the subject matter. It's, it's, it's seeing a subject matter be conveyed so brilliantly hmm. and so powerfully without pulling its punches too like it's raw it's real mm -hmm. and it's not gonna it's not gonna it doesn't have time for your for your, like you know you to be comfortable with what's happening it's saying i don't give a shit if you're comfortable this is what happened like i'm gonna take you on this journey and i'm not gonna just slap you in the face but we're going on a journey to feel something right now, and you're going to walk away from this feeling every 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 bullet, everything like that you're going to come away feeling that. And I, it, it's it's incredibly hard to do because that I mean it's why you don't see many of these films that we put in this kind of category, at least for me, mm. where I'm like, again, there is this upper echelon of films, and and not again diminish other films but i think if you watch this film i think it's pretty clear to see it's as we talked about different ball game different diff not even not even the same part so i mean to wrap this all out again i give this the highest rating i could ever give a film for all that it's done and all and again i have no criticism of, of this film really none I, I the only thing i would say is if anything it does its job too well that it's i take recommending it very seriously mm. because i'm like is your mental health okay because if it's not you should not watch this film because i just don't think you're gonna it's not gonna be good for you yeah yeah i agree um and i i also agree with we mentioned with again like highest praise possible as i mentioned like i i probably 
could have dived into the idea of like those sort of pet peeves that I had. But in unpacking the film, I'm like, I, I understand why you made that decision. And for you, it worked. So pet peeve or not of mine, not a problem. No concerns for me. I'm okay with it. Um, where, you know, another film that's maybe not as effective in other elements or kind of does something like that, just kind of without thought, just like, all right, we've got to get the villains in there, but I guess we'll get them to talk in a funny accent instead of talking their native tongue, then that bothers me. Um, yeah. So, I mean, running that out, it, it's a perfect film. It, it is like Absolutely. the perfect film. It is like quintessential must-be-watched once in your life. I honestly think that I might watch this one more time, maybe like a year from now. I may never watch it again after that, but I think just I to really cement, um, because I, I just I can't sort of imagine sitting down one day and going, I want to watch Schindler's List today. You know, <laughs> no one, no one does that. Like so- sociopaths do that. Like that's yeah. like I. So I, I feel... think that I want to experience yeah. it again from the perspective. I know where the story goes, and I want to look at what else happens. I want to understand some of the intricacies of the the background plots that's happening and i want to try and pick up on other little bits of pieces. i want to see how the film was crafted and understand more there i mean more more notes that i made here as well was there was um two other shots that i just really liked and one of them was the lighter is it click 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 cut click. i was like oh you fit. It's and the so last good. shot it conveys with so Schindler. much where you see him get into the back of the car and then he drives away and it was being shot through the glass at the back of the car. And I was just like, I just, I love that stuff. Like just really clever use of like just camera work. Yep. Like it's, just, it's really good. Um, I was having and, and a look so at right. Steven Zalen's uh, like credits because I wasn't familiar with his work. And it's interesting like, we have, obviously, films like Schindler's List, like Mission Impossible, Story Credit, Gangs of New York, uh, American Gangster, Moneyball, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like, all of these, like, high-tier films. And then there's Exodus, Gods and Kings. Which <laughs> Everybody is... has a bad day at the office. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then he came back into uh, The Irishman. Yep. It's... And it, it's... it's... And his dialogue is so good because it's, again, that's why I think Moneyball is also one of my favorite scripts because it's, you have Aaron Sorkin and Steve Zalian. And I think Steve Zalian is a uh, great uh, master of silence. Mm. Like he knows when not to say something. Aaron and I feel like he helps. Film drop as well, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was the um, uh, one with uh, Nicole Kidman. It was. Uh, being the Ricardos. Yeah, being the Ricardos. That was it. But it's one of those things where, for me, I, I look at that and I, Steve Zalian is an incredible writer. Uh, obviously, just again, top down. This was also f- uh, for anybody who is interested in the Spielberg facts. Uh, this was Spielberg's first, uh, um, uh, first outing with cinematographer uh, Janusz Kaczynski. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, but basically, who ended up becoming a cinematographer for everything that you see. Everything he's done since. Not one film that he's done since then has had a different cinematographer. Uh, they are ne- they are neck and neck. I don't know if he works with anyone other than Spielberg. Uh, like, I don't know if, like, with his credits, if he uh, has time to do so. Uh, but he won an Oscar for this. He wins an Oscar for Saving Private Ryan as well. Um, 
I believe he was nominated for uh, just this past year for West Side Story. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, it's nice um, when you get a, a director cinematographer like pairing that just works so well. Uh, like Ryan Johnson and Steve Yeldon. Um, they've worked together on, on every film they've done. Oh, absolutely. They, they also did this this pretty small-time film. I don't know if you would have heard of it. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, that. <sighs> Got him! You didn't say it, though. I cut you off. The Last so Jedi. It's okay. Anyway, continuing on. Um, but... But yeah, like it's it's really cool when you get those those connections. And you just go, it works. Um, and it's true because I'm like again, whenever I see a Spielberg film, I will say that even if I'm not a huge fan of the film, no, no, that pairing it always makes a film feel different. Hmm. It makes this, you know, when you see his films ever since this movie, you'll kind of notice it. Similar color palettes, similar things like that, um, for better and for worse in some cases, but they just understand each other. It's him and his editor, same deal. It's like the three of them, it just works. And I think that that's an incredible, it just shows also that they enjoy working together. And I, I love that because I think they bring out the best in each other and they understand the their uh, their jobs and their function within the whole system. And so beyond that, wrapping out, uh, because this podcast is probably going to be almost as close to the length of the nice film. Long one, yeah. Uh, but bottom line is that uh, this film absolutely perfection to me. It's why it will always remain uh one of my favorites, if only, if if not just because it it deserves it, but because of the principle of it. Yeah, I have never seen a film as effortlessly, or again, it was very effortful, but it seems effortlessly done to be absolutely perfect. Again, I think this is a better film than stuff like The Godfather or what I feel a lot of people kind of put this. I'm just like, this just... If I have to go with a film that I think truly is one of the best films ever made, it's it's this one, hands down. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so going, so going on with that, that's how what we feel. Obviously, guys, let us know uh, what you think and what you feel. Obviously, thank you so much for, Kit, for joining us in the chat today and a couple of other people. Uh, but, uh, Naf, do you want to talk about next week? Yeah, so I mean, you're away next week, which is really exciting for yes, me. Yes, I am. Uh, get to one week, <laughs> two weeks actually without talking to you, which is going to be fantastic. Um, oh, absolutely, it's going to be good for both of us. Uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me. Right? I mean, it's okay that I said it, but th- th- you would say something like that. I, <laughs> like I find so rude, it really right? offensive, actually. And that, considering well, okay, my like Latin American heritage, it also feels a little bit racist. So okay, um, sorry, I learned I learned the wrong lesson from this film, but. Uh... <laughs> You should be careful, okay, is what I'm saying. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Regardless, um, Movie Man's going to be away next week, so I've invited another one of um, my fellow creators from TikTok. Uh, You guys can find him. His name is Sam, Um, but on TikTok, he's at Kellerbro, um, and he talks Star Wars and, like, a bunch of, like, really cool films. Um, Like, he's got really great taste, and uh, when I asked him what film is sort of, like, that, you know, quintessential must-watch, must-share... Um, his choice for next week is Bram Stoker's Dracula, a film which, again, I watched with school ages ago, um, didn't pay any attention to, so have no memory of at all, um, and I'm really excited to check it out, and then come back next week and talk about it, so we'll pop that in Discord as well, guys, and obviously you can see here, 
Um, I've just linked Discord in the chat as well. If you're in there, you can join our Discord. We'll post what our movie of the week is there to chat about it and any other sort of releases. You, you that should come definitely up. Like, join. Yeah, we just, I don't know. Like, it's, it's not all that busy in there, but like, you know, every now and then we have a good little chat about a couple of bits and pieces and it's just, it's good. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's basically what I've got for you in that sense. And uh, Movie Man, before we sort of close up, did you want to tell um, the viewers sort of where they can find you? Absolutely. Well, you can find me at Movie Man Opinions on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, it's just Movie Man Opinion, just one opinion. But uh, you can also find me on YouTube at Random Stuff Entertainment. It would be a lot easier a- with you if you just had one opinion. You have too many. It would be. Well, you know, I think we would have a lot shorter fo- uh, shorter podcasts, uh, for sure. But uh, <laughs> I think that uh, that's where you can find me. That's what can happen. I now have a link tree, so you can find that on Instagram Ooh. and Twitter. And then if I get to a thousand uh, followers on TikTok, you'll find it there too. <laughs> but uh, until yeah. then, uh, Naf, where can they find you? Oh, well, same deal. Um, you guys can see my link tree and I'll put Movie Man's info in chat as well. But you can find me at On Second Thought across most of these platforms. Uh, it's just spelled differently depending on where you want to find me. Um, but... Yeah, that's basically me. There isn't much happening. And if you want, you can find us at One With The Films on Spotify, um, which I'll also tag in chat for you guys. All these videos... Oh, whoops. Um, I want to do Spotify. Um, all of these episodes go live around about 24 hours after we air, and you can see the um, video on demand here on Twitch if you like. I'm sure we'll eventually move over to YouTube there as well as soon as we figure that out. But Spotify, we're there, and we've got all their old episodes as well. And I've been actually seeing some of the data come through that you guys are listening and enjoying and like... We really appreciate it. Um, I'll, people listen to us? People listen to us. Let me actually um, go through some info here. I'll show you where we're at right now. Um, analytics. There we go. So our highest played episode is uh, Spooky Breeze Rear Window um, with nine, oh. nine listens, uh, which is cool. I like, that's that like, one. yeah, nine, nine downloads, basically. That was, um, that was a great one. Cat Lady JJ's has like six. Oh. Um, my one with my little brother. Um, with uh, where we watched Heat. Have you seen Heat? I forget if if you had or not. No, no. You should watch it and then listen to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly and you know we were talking about really good dialogue in this film and, um, Heat had some of the greatest, most effective dialogue I have come across in a film. In that's like, what I've history. heard. And he's got another film out called Thief, which apparently is just as good, which I really want to watch. Um, but I got I want to find something else I can watch. Today. I haven't seen Lord of the Rings this week, so I need to watch the latest episode. I don't know if uh, you got up to date. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten it yet. I'm going to probably watch it on the plane tomorrow. Awesome. Um, download 2001 as well, and then text me when you land, because I want to know what you think. And I want to know if you also you, cracked up at the ending. You know what I think is going to be funny? is you went and saw 2001 on one of the biggest screens on planet earth. <laughs> and here I am is watching 2001 on my phone in like, going. there's, there's a double edged sword here because in one part I go, if I was going to watch the film for the first time, I'm glad I did it in the theaters and I'm glad I did it in a way that had one hour driving home. Otherwise I would have probably just turned it off halfway through and not finished it. Um, or gone yeah. to bed afterwards and not thought about it again. But the thinking afterwards mm-hmm. makes the film better. You need to discuss it, otherwise you'll hate it. Um, but the other part of it is it was so loud. 
like so loud that I'm pretty sure the film was originally um what's the word mastered for a small theater it wasn't mastered to be played in IMAX so there's all these loud you know 1960s sci-fi beeping sounds and alarms that like I was literally like for because I had to cover my ears because it was too loud um I hate that I hate that but I saw a lot of have you seen First Man by Damien Chazelle yeah yeah I see a lot of the influences of like the space cinematography from this especially how well, in this, um, Kubrick used just like classical music when they're like flying through space and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I don't believe there were original compositions for it. Like, I'm pretty confident they were just classical pieces that he put into the film mm-hmm. outside of the opening track. But then you go and watch Damien Chazelle's First Man, and same deal. He had Justin Horowitz doing the soundtrack for it, and he's gone to him, mm-hmm. hey, a waltz. That's what I want. And the music in that film is just. I have the soundtrack for it on vinyl. I actually have Schindler's List on vinyl as well. I have a um, oh. a John Williams soundtrack. It's called A Life in Music, and it has all of his biggest tracks. Um, oh, that must be cool. That's a beaut- That's yeah. awesome. I'll show you it a bit when we jump off. But anyway, absolutely. there's lots to be watching this week. There's still so many other movies coming out. Um, there was. Are you going to go and see uh, the one they posted in Discord? What was it called? Um, Barbarian. I haven't heard much about it, so I probably will at some point when Same. I come back. Uh, I have heard that you should not hear much about it. You should just go watch it. So Okay. I would... Well, absolutely. Go, and well, then tell me where I can find it, because I want to see it. But Tyler loved it. Kari <laughs> saw it, and she loved it. They were both like, it's insane. Don't, just just go. Okay. All um, right. Well, then I will trust I will trust their opinion there. But not mine. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, never yours. It's like again, you're yeah, I'm you're learning, you're learning now. Now you're getting there to the point where now you understand. Now you have like a litmus test of like, uh, you know, various different, you know, actually good films, and now you can actually, you know, go and do that. I, I will. See. Anyway, this has been one with the films, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, as always, now this is podcasting. <laughs> see you later.